0: this is Seth Peck and you are listening to 11 o'clock
1: Comics.
2: that's a punctual woo-hoo from mr. David price come on it on it you are a professional I
3: mean, you, got, you, got, you know got big doings going on tonight
4: dude I dropped my laptop Onto its face from six feet up uh, about an hour ago, but somehow it's it's oh. undamaged or it appears to be. It's the power
2: of the Windows machine. I'll tell you what. I, I thought was it was the so hodgepodge pieces, but somehow it's stayed in there. Huh? Dude, my boy loves his uh, Surface. He loves it. He sleeps so with one.
3: it. That's great. I, I think oh, uh, that's i like terrifying the <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not because the the the, the Brony at work. He. Uh, I was told at the picnic was kind of alone and um it, and the minion kept you know going over to see him and every time he had he has a surface 3 he has a surface pro and when those and when the batteries died on those two he took out his asus tablet do he loves tablets but he's all about it's all about fucking uh is this frankie de jesus no. no 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 his name is frank but it's not de jesus
2: is it is he frank
3: is yeah, no, uh, actually, he's looking all acidic these days. I'm like, what's with the curl, dude? It's,
2: it's acidic, As- it's, acidic. Oh, I thought you said he's acidic. No, he's,
4: he's, yeah, uh, When Ooh. are we gonna see a Hasidim character in God Hates Astronauts?
0: I was gonna uh, say the acidic Hasidic is a good <laughs> uh, character. We're just giving ideas yeah. away here. Yeah, let's see who I can <laughs> offend with this character. <laughs>
2: Uh, hey, everybody. I think that's long enough. It's 11 o'clock comics, and I'm Vince B.
3: You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. You are
4: indeed David A. Price, and I am coming at you from the cosmos because I'm Lord Astrofarmer, <laughs> lover of poultry.
0: Wow, that's a, that's a reference that no one will get. Not yet. Pass. Pass.
2: We come from the future and you're not Lord Ast- Astro from. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And as, uh, you probably can tell, we have a guest in the, uh, digital zone with us tonight. Who is it, Jason? Who do we, who do, who do we get this week? It is the certifiably insane yet wonderfully
4: creative man behind God Hates Astronauts, both the successful, uh, Kickstarter campaign of several years past and now soon to be New number one ongoing via Image Comics, Mr. Ryan Brown Silent E.
0: Hooray! <laughs> right. That's Yay. the best intro ever.
4: Ever. That's true.
2: The man who showed people how to do Kickstarter right.
4: <laughs> did, and one of my, one of several Ryans that I had the pleasure of having up with me on a Kickstarter panel last year at Sado's C- Eidos.
0: That is right. That's probably that- the most, um, attended panel I've ever done.
2: Check it. It's almost uh,
4: it was like people attra-
0: want to make money doing comics. Almost. Almost.
2: <laughs> it was an attractive panel, if not for Stegman, but I mean it was mostly attractive. True.
3: I'm glad you brought Stegman up before you I I just because I want to reference something from Heroes, so I don't want to forget, but I'm gonna let you do what you gotta do.
2: And you don't have to come off as totally unprofessional to get cheap comic books. All you gotta do is shimmy on over to discount comic books Service. I like shimmy. DCBService.com, where you can get your books at rock-bottom prices. Guess what? The new list is not up yet. We're still in that transitional phase. But, like I always say, you can rest assured the discounts will be both what? Plentiful. Wumba. Deep deep and plentiful. And womba and they're the, they're the best. uh dcbservice.com. Take go there take a look around and plan your order because you could see, holy crap, I can get comics this cheap.
3: You know what? I, that's I I'm going to tell you one comic that well what? if I'm going to get it digitally, I, I can't pre-order right now, but I'm going to get me my my first issue of God hates astronauts ongoing.
2: Yes, you know that's I you're in the new previews, Ryan, and they have a nice little uh spread, a couple of uh, pages from the new issue and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I'm gonna have to get single issues on this one. I've been holding off on single issues for most books, but I gotta get this one. It just looks too good to wait for the trade.
0: Well you can just you can just come over to my house and I'll just you can have my comps or something. Or I'll I'm, read I'm it there. to you. Uh-huh. Call Would me on tape and I'll just read just, it to you. Aww. There are certain
2: things worth paying for, <laughs> cheap ass man that I am, and this is one of them. So now,
4: well, that's yeah. an interesting it's concept. Cluttered. How do how do comps work with image since don't you sort of foot the bill for, buying yeah. <laughs> your, your own okay. comps?
0: Yeah, pretty In for much. Your, I mean, yeah, comp yourself. They give you, they give you a certain amount to begin with, okay. and then you can have as many as you want at a, you know, a discounted price. Nice. It's just up to you.
2: For, oh, for con, like conventions and yeah, stuff? Yeah, sure. That's cool.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: Mm. But, um, we're all perusing issue number one of, uh, God Hates Astronauts right now, and I gotta say, it's awesome. Wow. Wow. Thanks, man. No, it's it's really good. And if um you uh tweak the cover price in accordance to the amount of words in the issue, oh. this thing would cost about twenty bucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I you know, that, that was the whole thing with God Eight Astronauts Nots was um and I think it comes from doing it as a webcomic first was that on every page I always felt compelled to kind of have a beginning, middle and end. Mm. Um so the book became like extremely dense um because when I was originally doing it, it was a uh, you know a page per week, uh, and I felt like I had to like deliver with some jokes on every page, and I had to have some sort of uh, conflict resolution or something going on. Uh, and I think that's just uh, you know hopefully still works doing it monthly. I mean, this book is going to uh, <laughs> it moves very quickly, like a lot stuff happens in each issue. I guess. Yes. yes. On each yes. page.
4: Jesus. Well, and that's the that's the thing. That, as much as I, I hate to give him credit for anything, he's probably somewhere listening. Uh, Neesman turned us on to that. your, your webcomic, as you know. And, uh, and he was spot on, uh, with it. And one of the things I've always loved about it, and I think we talked about it when you were on back in the day, uh, was, the, was how dense it is. It's, it's, it's evocative of how comics used to be back in my day, oh, where, yes. You didn't buy it. It wasn't assumed that one battle or one conflict or one arc of a story was going to take six issues. Uh, you know, it, it it it's there's just a ton on the page. It's it, it's I don't know why I'm not comparing your book to Crease Scroll Scroll War, but <laughs> I, I think back to Crease Scroll War and and what what was contained in a few issues in that book would literally be a forty to fifty issue multi uh, book crossover event these days to, to, to get to the exact same place. And your book, um, gives us a ton in each, in each chunk, which I love. So, and this first issue is no exception to that.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. And I, I'd like, honestly, <laughs> the, uh, first issue, uh, has one scene that lasts like, like 18 pages, which, um, it's something I've never done before. Uh, cause usually a scene last one page or two. Um, and I think I'm almost done with issue two now. And so it, it kind of gets back to form by being shorter scenes and more dense. Uh, but issue one, uh, is it actually, it's 28 pages of story. Um, and I wanted to kind of break, break people into the humor of the book. Um, and kind of, uh, so it ended up being like a very large action sequence, and then uh I wrote it, and then I put way too many words into it, and so this is the severely edited version, because oh. uh, <laughs> it originally had probably twice as many words. God damn!
2: Wow! Directors
0: cut. I know. Yeah. Well, it I did, it's better now than it was before. That's for sure. So, so, are,
3: so I'm sorry. So, you it's monthly. How far ahead are you then?
0: Uh, I'm almost done drawing issue two, um, and I think I've kind of, I've worked out all the kinks to be able to do it, uh, draw an issue and write an issue in a month. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not coloring it anymore, which is like a huge thing for me to step away from because I think color is an extremely important part of comics, um, and so yeah, actually Jordan Boyd, who colors Umbral uh, is coloring the series, and he's doing an amazing job.
2: Yeah, he's doing you a great service in this issue. These colors are creamy. They're beautiful.
0: Yeah. I just told him, don't use green. That's always my That's always my advice. Just don't use green. Mm.
2: Wow, there's not a whole hell of a lot there's of green no in green. this. No,
0: I hate green.
3: <laughs> I hate green. But the match is green. Yeah. I got Jason uh, off. I'm waiting to hear what he was going to say.
4: No, I was going to say, speaking of unabridged, what are y'all drinking?
3: Nice.
2: Oh, that's a nice little segue.
3: hmm Bring the which
2: back. which one of us should confess first? Uh, Vince, why don't you start us off? Pepe Mac, baby. Oh, you're back to the Mac. Pe- you're back to the Mac. Yeah. Wow. I was going to have beer, but Sorry, nah. Pepe Mac. Uh, Pepe Mac. That's my drink of choice.
4: David A.
3: Price uh, is drinking something new. Havalo Barao. Uh, wow. Okay. Portugal. Yeah. No. It's a. It's um.
2: We'll sound a little bit like me trying to
3: pronounce that. I know, right? It's Calavo Magneto. Uh It's um, it's
0: <laughs> it's red.
3: So yeah. Okay. <laughs>
4: yeah. Ryan, are you drinking anything?
0: Uh, no, because I have to work after this. Because <laughs> I decided to do a monthly image book. So. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Yes.
2: I'm right there with you, brother. I got to draw off to the show too. Yeah. Oh.
0: It's just gonna be a tight two hours, I guess. Boo hoo, boo hoo.
4: <laughs> well, I am in honor of our. Good friends from Belgium who beat us in the World Cup this week. I am drinking a Chimay ale in sure, celebration of their victory. Much to all the nice. soccer listeners out there's hatred yeah. of me.
2: All three of them. Well,
4: yeah, Ron. Ron and then whoever else may listen to that. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. They don't admit it.
2: <laughs> See
4: you on four years soccer. Yeah. Maybe. Good on, good on care again. Maybe. Yeah.
2: maybe. Uh. So there you go. Now we get to talk
3: more um, with Mr. Brown. If uh, okay, so first issue is this a is this an ideal jumping on point for someone who may have missed the Kickstarter foolishly, or should they catch up with the webcomic, or can they just hit the ground running with issue number one?
0: Um, well, Image put out the the exact same the softcover version of what I put out through the Kickstarter right uh, in October. Um, you don't have to read it to read the new series. Um, and that was something really important for me because if everyone who bought the original book bought the new um, series it would uh, be canceled after issue one <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, that's it without each of us buying ten copies just to make you feel good so uh, yeah so uh, it is a continuation of the story but it has a small recap and then kind of reintroduces stuff uh, and then is going in a new direction like the, the The stuff that happened in the first issue will definitely make you enjoy the issue more if you've read the first collection, but you don't have to. Yeah,
4: well, you recap it? You, you, I mean, well, I shouldn't, you recap a little bit of it. You explain the number of the characters, at least the, so there's a taste of what, of, of what came in the, uh, in, in the webcomic.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it, I mean, you'll understand enough. And everything is kind of presented in a, in a fashion where, um, you know, it has a little bit of what is hopefully, uh, a kind of a comfortable reintroduction. Um, you know, also, like, uh, you know, I can't expect for my fans to remember anything, uh, because I certainly read comics <laughs> and forget instantaneously. So, right. so it's not, it's, uh, and the first volume was not very plot heavy, which is a huge difference, uh, in the new volume.
2: You know what you have to do? You've got to promise me one thing. You, you think merchandising, as you've proven with your, your Kickstarter, you gotta get me one of these days, somewhere down the line. I need a vinyl three D cowboy to put it to put on my shelf. That would be so. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah,
0: he would really be in three D. Because
2: you're a toy collector, with, like with the Battle Beast Legends stuff that you, you yeah, I've sure. seen on you. You know, you look at a character, you're thinking, "Oh man, I would love to have one of those of my very own." There's there's a ton of characters from issue one that I'm thinking, I'm looking at them, thinking that would be awesome in vinyl. Yeah. Or, or, resin, you know, just like, amazing character design is, I guess, what I'm, the roundabout thing, what I'm trying to compliment you on. Oh, I, I love your, love your character design, because it's so off the wall, I mean, it's unhinged. It, you, you just, let's do a 3D ghost, um <laughs> character with a cowboy hat on, <laughs> why not? Yeah, that's what comics should be.
0: Well, almost every character is designed on the page that you're
2: looking
0: at then. <laughs> well, uh, oh, well, speaking uh, of, then art, is,
3: uh, you're drawing traditionally, or is this digital? Yeah, I draw traditionally. Excellent.
2: That's awesome. And you, you, uh, tickle my, my Kirby, uh, spot with, uh, Admiral Tiger. Itch- <laughs> he <laughs> <gets her. laughs> he screams, her. he screams commandy. Uh, I see Prince Tufton and, and Caesar in that, and you just make me feel right at home. It's like, oh, I know this, kinda know this universe. Thank you for creating it.
0: Well, it's definitely, <laughs> uh, it, it's, su- it's gonna be super Kirby-esque. Uh, and I, cause I, I had never actually read um, all the New Gods trilogy, so I bought all the omnibuses before working on the series, and I read them all. Um, and so there's there's a, there's a lot of a uh, lot of inspiration taken from that, um, and a lot of ideas that I have that I think are pretty funny that I will never use um, because they're too stupid. But uh, a lot of which involve in the news, Newsboy Legion, which is. Possibly the stupidest thing ever to happen in comics.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. But, but they're fun.
0: I there will be there there will be a Goody Rickles reference at some point though. That's gotta go in there.
2: So will God Hates Astronauts have its own version of Flip A Dippa? Yeah. Is it safe? Oh my to gosh, say?
0: that's the worst thing. It makes me <laughs> angry to read his name. A Flip up. a dippa.
2: It's so. It makes you so happy. It's just to say it. Flip
0: a dippa. Oh man, it's so dumb. Nah, this is beautiful stuff. <laughs> That's funny.
3: Oh, man. The, the reason I was asking about the original art is your rep is is Paolo because you can go to Cadence and look at your pages, but it's for your non-creator own stuff. It's stuff from Bedlam and your pages from Manhattan Projects. Mm -hmm. is that is that the decision you decided you're not going to sell your original pages
0: or you just haven't or I've I've sold a handful from the original series um we'll get there eventually I think when this when this issue comes out I will probably put up stuff in the first volume and uh that I'm comfortable with selling and then um you know all the stuff from this issue
4: cool David took yeah. the, uh, took my question because I, you, you know how I am and you know, Paolo, I, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, man. I'm waiting yeah. for the, for the, for the hookup. Come on.
3: And I did. I mean, I have, I'm, I'm catching up on, uh, I, I finally read up to the first dozen issues of, uh, Manhattan Project. So, and I really enjoyed your issue 10. Um, Thanks. so I've been, I've been looking at the art and I, I can't scroll too far down the page because I don't want anything spoiled for 15, but, um, yeah, I mean the art from GHA looks amazing and, and I want that on my wall. No doubt. Yeah.
2: Do you guys per- peruse the previews at all this yes. month? Yes.
3: Oh. I've devoured it already.
2: Did you see the Manhattan Project's hardcover? Yes.
4: What does that collect?
2: Uh one to ten. I thought one through eleven, right? Uh oh, no, in no. the previews it says it one is, to ten.
4: Oh, um, I'm conf- it is one through That's ten crazy. I'm using that with um with um uh um uh, Cullen Bunn and, uh,
3: uh... Oh, 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 Six-Gun? Six-Gun, the the hardcover for Six-Gun is a 1 through 11.
4: Yeah, that's, that's beautiful,
3: too. That, oh, we, awesome. we saw that at, uh, at Heroes. We did. Because he, um, Brian was right next to Matt Kens table. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks huge, and, and I didn't know what it collected, and then I get, I'm, I'm flipping through it, and, I mean, it's it's beautifully presented. Everything looks great oversized, but I was, I was a little... Um, not, I, I, I was just, I was surprised that it was only eleven issues. Right, it, it's it's more the absolute
4: type of format.
0: Yes, so um, I don't know. Yeah, if there's a there's a ton of extra stuff in that book. Is yeah. there? Yeah, there's a ton. Mm-hmm. Well, that's
2: it's got a magnetic clasp too. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's a beautiful presentation. presentation
4: the, yeah, yeah, yeah for it. sure.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, it's sweet.
4: So one of the things that you know, Ryan, I would have to say that that is important for you to get out there having. Just Red issue one is, and I don't think this necessarily comes through in the solicits, is that um, it's a it's an adult comic. Yes, there's f bombs, overt sexual uh, commentary, and so, and and I love it to death. But but take a moment to describe the book to those that maybe aren't familiar, because I I don't. it's great that image put the preview issues and previews i mean the, the the panels and and people get a sense of it and I think it comes across as it being uh a, a, having comedic tones, but I don't know again because it is previews that it it's it conveys exactly how adult it is and and I think that's important for two reasons one, obviously for all the six and eight year olds that listen to our show regularly, we don't want them buying your book without their parents' approval, right. but more seriously, I think it the adult aesthetic is appealing. Uh, at least for me, I find R rated comedies much funnier than PG. And sure. this is really an R rated comedy of a book. So
0: Yeah, man. well there's that um they have that little letter M in the solicits, <laughs> which I right. you know, for mature right. which I think is probably the only real indication mm-hmm. um of the content. Um, but yeah, it's 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 I liken it more to like an adult swim show. Okay. Um, which a lot of adult swim shows have a lot of swearing in them, but it's like comedically bleeped out. Uh, but like violence and language content, it's, you know, like a PG 15 maybe, um, I would think. Uh, I actually like, I've kind of with it moving towards more plot, it's become less violent, um, and i've kind of been more aware of the the incredible amount of swearing that i have in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's still plenty in there but but uh, kind of in the old, in the old way i didn't really have a very clear sense because i was doing it so haphazardly uh of the different voices of the characters. Um and so now i'm really trying to focus on like not every character just screams swear words at all times uh for comedic, you know, benefit. Um but, yeah, so it's, you know, it's an adventure book, but it's also, uh, you know, a book about um, bizarre people having relationships. Uh, you know, the fr- the first book was really about uh, an extramarital affair. Like, that was the focus of the book in uh, this really strange, uh, you know, way that involved lots of, you know, bank robbing owls with crossbows and ghost cow heads and, um, you know, strange boxing bears and – it's, so it's it's got a lot of like strangeness going on at all times, um, and a lot of silliness. But the actual narrative of it is very very serious, um, which is something that I, I think is really really funny. Is when everything that's happening around the, the the situation and every all the characters are extreme. Everything is extremely strange, and everything is very silly. But everyone within the world is um, extremely serious about it. Um, and that I think brings a lot of the tone and the humor to the book, and that's why everybody's swearing, because everybody's frustrated and everybody is uh you know dealing with incompetent there's just a lot of incompetency in the book constantly. Um, but so this first uh the first story arc is um, about an intergalactic invasion um, that is that is the result of some poor decisions by our main characters. Um, so that kind of builds and builds and builds throughout the course of it, and that so there's a lot of impending doom uh, while people are being petty and small-minded and uh, you know dealing with relationships, I guess. Uh, and everyone has an animal head, pretty much. So
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or you makes you love are to an animal,
4: one or the other. You're
2: yeah, you're such a, a gifted uh, I, I in the in the uh, form of comedy. I'm looking through these pages and. I'm trying not to lose it because <laughs> I'm, such, I'm such an easy mark when you do humor like this. When you put an anthropomorphic chicken. I know. In, in a spacesuit and her name is Hennifer. <laughs> 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 That's it, it, so stupid and genius at the same time <laughs> and it just, and, oh, let's make moon babies together. <laughs> People at home listening to this who haven't seen the issue have no idea what we're talking about, but it's gold. Now,
4: was there any was there any slight (laughs) intentional or unintentional homage to Fear Agent with this? Yeah, that's what
0: I was thinking. Uh, Not not in particular. I mean, it's it's got references everywhere. Um, Well, just because the characters that yeah the, the the
4: the 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 Astro Farmers could be viewed as as heath and his crew i think (laughs) at least conceptually
0: right Uh, it wasn't intentional Mm. but maybe i mean it's 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 such a for me this book is always a hodgepodge of pop culture right um you know constant references um in issue two i just did a (laughs) i just drew a panel today where i Literally scanned in a panel, uh, like an iconic panel from The Dark Knight Returns, and then I printed it out in blue line on the page, and I drew directly over it uh, to to just make it an exact uh, compositional reference. Like uh, any change to that would have
4: been an improvement. So kudos,
0: right? So (laughs) uh, so, yeah, so like all that kind of comes into my brain. Um, You know, I think if you break any one aspect down. It might not seem super original. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of references, constantly references, uh, even when it's not very um, overt. It's something in my mind is referring to The Simpsons or uh, Mr. Science Theater or, you know, something like that that really Joneses with me uh, humor-wise.
2: It's just joy on the page. That That's what I'm seeing. Just pure, I'm making comics, bitch, joy on every page.
0: <sighs> that's the idea, and I... I it's it's I, I broke it down pretty intensely in terms of plotting it out and, and really getting a good narrative with characters, with motivations and all those things that actual writers do. Uh but then as I'm actually drawing the pages, I'm just throwing in panels, throwing in jokes. Uh 3D Cowboy, who is the narrator of the series, is actually um, well he's actually in three D. And he's the only thing in the book in 3D. So if you wear 3D glasses and read the book, he no will pop off that page. But no one else does. Oh, that's great. that's like the shittiest 3D comic ever. But uh, <laughs> he, I just, whenever I want to, he just appears in the book. He's, uh, I'm treating him like, gosh, and I can't remember the name. Remember on She-Ra, the cartoon? And there was that little character that would just appear in the background in every episode. And you had to like, seek them out. Does anyone remember She-Ra?
2: Yeah, 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 there was, I forget, there was I forget that character's name. Yeah, there mm-hmm. was that
0: little rainbow character that was in every every like that was my favorite part of Shiro was finding that character. Uh so that's that's what 3D Cowboy is now, and he's uh he appears just whenever it's it's funny.
2: And it's so random. Like there's one panel where he just pops up and, and he says, Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the story. Like <laughs> what how the hell did you get in here?
0: <laughs> he's a sweetheart too. He's a real sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always
2: happy. Oh, good God. Jason, um, what was that thing you wanted to do this week? You had an idea uh for for a little bit of a discussion about uh our favorite comics?
4: Uh, well, I did, uh, but, but I, I didn't know that we were going to do it this
3: week. I didn't either. Well, I want to ask
2: Mr. Brown. Oh, because okay, I don't know that I'm ready
3: to do it. So. I definitely am it not. It would
2: spotlight him. Well, well, he may not
3: be ready to do it either. Yeah. You're
4: kind of putting us all on the this, spot here.
2: Seriously. It's awesome.
4: Well, what I had said is I had come up with an idea for a topic of conversation. And judging by the fact that Mr. Brown didn't know who Pat Broderick was at Heroes Con, I'm guessing he's not ready for this conversation. Which Uh-oh. is which is what would be each of our favorite comics by decade. So <laughs> not just all time, but I think Ryan's a little bit younger than us, but he still probably cut his teeth in the eighties, maybe a few years after us, but right, that's Mm -hmm. probably when he started reading comics. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all right. Vince is the oldest. So he probably was late seventies, but, but for the most part, we thank you, Jason. You're welcome. We all caught the bug in the eighties. Uh, a probably for Vince David and I in all seriousness, the the very early eighties and 84 I think is one of the, the most Significant years in comics history and, and mm-hmm. likely why so many people our age are to this day fanatical about comics because we all, if you, if you were exposed to those comics in the early going, it was hard to ever want to not be in love with the medium, but we just were saying it would be fun to riff on the comics that we loved from the eighties, the nineties, the aughts. Now, you know, you go, you can go behind that, go to the seventies. Even earlier, if, if, if you happen to have read enough back that you feel like talking about it. So, I threw that out there to the guys on, on our daily offline conversations as a mm-hmm. potential topic down the road, but apparently Vince wants to bring it up before any of us have done the homework.
2: No, out. I just thought, <laughs> I just thought it would be fun. Like, for me, when you say the 70s, I was kidding when I said I want to cite all of it as my favorite, but not really because the 70s is my decade. I, I love almost everything in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Cross publisher too. It's I mean like DC, Marvel. What little independence? What well, we called the underground comics. Then and it's just all great. But when you get into the eighties, it gets a little tougher because there was so many good things in the eighties. Like you said, that's when we all got hopped up on it. So let's tweak the question a little bit, Mr. Brown. So when you're done with an issue of God Hates Astronauts and you find some time on your hands, what the hell do you read? <laughs> What do, you, what do you enjoy?
0: Uh, what do I enjoy? Uh, hmm? Well, I wish there were more humor comics at this point. Yeah, for real. Uh, Chew, Chew is always fun. Yes. Uh, it's very effortless to read, and it's super fun. But things that I am actively reading is difficult to come by. Uh, I mean, I love Manhattan Projects, and I'm enjoying Saga, uh, mostly just image books, uh, Revival and Umbral. Um But... If we want, like, I, I do want to get at, like, what my favorite books are of all times, like ones that I enjoy going back to.
2: Yeah, you have the mic, you do what you
0: want. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, I think for me, Scud, The Disposable Assassin was a very influential book, um, and a very important book for figuring out how to do silly adventure in comics. That was the first, uh, book like that I had ever read. And one of the first, one of the only books like that that I've ever, you know, still seen. Um, but you know, so for me, that is something that I look at often and think about a lot. Um, and that's mm-hmm. where a lot of like the surreal, uh, action, adventure kind of stuff comes from for me. Uh, again, like as I said before, I've been reading a lot of Kirby. Um, I just read Devil Dinosaur, which I had never read before. Oh, isn't it yeah, great? It's fantastic. Especially when they're attacking the uh the, the aliens uh with the giant ants. Uh pretty entertaining. Uh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm reasonably it's i am reasonably um undereducated in a lot of stuff that came before the eighties.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, the the comics that really got me Jones in uh was Silver Surfer. I was a big Silver Surfer fan. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, the Silver Surfer and Daredevil were really important to me. I used, I used to want to do nothing but superheroes and do serious stories, uh, with superheroes. Um, but then the older I got, the stupider it all seemed. Uh, and so uh, now I am doing what I'm doing, I guess. Right. And
2: one of the things I love about God Hates Astronauts is, um, maybe a detriment to the actual book, but because it's so off the wall Mm -hmm. cross genre. I mean, when you sit someone down and say, you got to read this, God hates astronauts. And they come back with, okay, but what is, what's it about that? It's very difficult to tell. (laughs) Yes, Like the elevator pitch for God hates astronauts would be like a, a, you know, a hundred pages. So do you find it difficult? Because people have expectations for their, their entertainment. Like they want to know what it's like, Or you know, do you find it difficult to put that out of your mind when you create this stuff? Because looking at it, it doesn't seem like you're playing to any audience. It seems it's no. It seems like this is all natural.
0: Yeah. It's well, I'm I'm playing to myself. You know, like I'm making myself laugh. That's right.
3: That's the best thing about it it too. It always is.
0: You know. This what, and what you're talking about is precisely why it was. Self-published for so long, uh, because it kind of built its cultish fan base, but it didn't. Uh, you know, it doesn't have an elevator pitch. Uh, you know, and I and I kind of hate to say it's like this and like this and like this, uh, because that seems unfair. Um, you know, like like I'm. You know, it seems like I'm bragging if I do that. Like if I if I if I, if I you know say that it is of the same kind of ilk of something that's very good. It seems like a weird kind of brag, and it also seems kind of, um, yeah, I don't know, unfair. Uh, but at this point, that's kind of the best way that I can ever describe it to people. Uh, you know, like, it, it it's it's basically, it's a book if you are a child of the 80s, um, and you like mildly offensive humor. You know, so it's kind of difficult. It just bounces around. Uh, you know, I have lists and lists of ideas for scenes and references, and it's difficult to uh you know, really, even now that there is a very strong plot to the book, it seems really, like, it seems detrimental to the book to, to sum it up in a sentence or two.
2: Yeah, it's pretty hard to do that, yeah. actually. Because, uh, there, it, going down the checklist, you know, is it a superhero book? Well, yeah, there, there's superheroes in it. it. Is Is it a funny animal book? They're in there, too. And there's science fiction, and there's there's crazy humor, uh, adventure, I mean, it's a lot of things simultaneously. I think it's unique in the the sense that it's one of the only books of this type I think I've ever encountered. It's everything and nothing at the same time. That's awesome. (laughs) That says to me that you are creating for no one but yourself, and that's the way it should be.
0: Well, I think I, you know, I got out of art school and I spent – you know, I spent years doing pencil submissions, uh, you know, drawing superheroes and, uh, you know, all I really wanted to do is make comics, you know, and tell stories, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and make jokes. Uh, and like, I just, I wasted so much creative energy, um, you know, drawing Batman fighting the Joker repeatedly to try and get a job drawing, you know, you know, trying to get a job drawing comics that I was never going to get, uh, And I think this book started as a reaction to that, uh, where it was just like, all right, I really like drawing animals. I really like drawing, you know, these fight scenes. I really like drawing funny sound effects. I really, you know, it's basically was like, I've spent so much time trying to, you know, play someone else's game and not having any success, um, that it finally came down to, well, why don't I just do what I like to do and hopefully someone else will like it, um, and thankfully, you know, it has gotten a decent audience. Um, that said, I made this entire issue, and I didn't let anyone read it for a long time because I was so paranoid that it would be too offensive with all the weird chicken stuff, uh, or <laughs> you know, like that. No one would, no one would get the jokes, um, you know. And there's there is one there is one big moment in it that has a very very deep reference. It's a very hard reference to get. Um, but the people that I've shown it to who get the reference unanimously think it's the best joke in the book. But then I'm going to have how many people that won't get the joke.
2: Well, that's a danger with any uh, humor, I think. Sure. If, 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 if you provide too much information, if you make it easy for them, the, the, the punchline is is not as sweet. Right. And the, the, the ones you reach with that punchline is the ones that it was initially intended for anyway.
0: Right. And, and yeah. with doing, obviously, a humor book especially... Um, I feel like you spend so much time looking at it and thinking about the jokes that you don't realize if they hit or not because you've spent too much time with them. Um, So that's another thing that, you know, with image, image is basically self-publishing at this point um, where I am just delivering a finished issue and then they proofread it. And, you know, there really aren't any story notes, um, which is why, you know, some image books have hired editors you know, like Southern Bastards as an editor, um, to keep things on track and bounce ideas off of. Um, but doing a humor book that is so me doing exactly what I want to do and not having any sort of filter, uh means that I can just you know, I can just draw a three D cowboy popping out of someone's mouth in one panel because that's funny to me. Um, mm-hmm. but is that funny to anyone else? Um, and then so with this issue I I I've just kind of decided to Trust my instincts because um, they haven't really backfired too badly so far uh, <laughs> with this stuff. So yeah.
2: Now, when you set out to to write and draw each issue, to mentally prepare you to do that, do you find it difficult to wall yourself up away from expectations?
0: Yeah, it's really tough, especially with something where the book's been around for a while. Kickstarter was a big success. People have said a lot of nice things to me about it. Um, and especially, I feel like especially uh, when people tell you that you're clever or an idea is clever and, uh, you know, how would you come up with this? And I get that a lot. Uh, that 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 puts kind of pressure on me that I need to have a same level of cleverness or spontaneity or, you know, keep doing things that people aren't seeing coming. Uh, right. you know, f- from what I've done before, you know, the first, the first collection is really just a bunch of sound effects and people getting punched, you know, like repeatedly. And that's <laughs> constantly the punchline. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I realized with the, with an ongoing series, I had to move beyond that. Um, so I think the humor has become more subtle. Um, and wordplay is more important than it was before. So uh, she said. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a totally different experience doing it this way and really having to think ahead, um, and trying not to get too stressed out about, you know, not living up to the expectations and just trusting that, 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 yeah, well, it will probably be pretty funny to some people.
2: I, I think it's, it's, um, pretty crucial to not care what, what the audience is gonna, uh, <laughs> Ex, thing,
4: right. I mean, this is your <laughs> passion. Yeah, all I do and is, is you, care. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be hard. I mean, not only yeah. is it your passion, but it's also uh, a fairly significant component of your of your finances. So it, sure, it's got to sure. be hard to to just
2: disengage like that. Um, but it's it's like walking a tightrope, though. It's it's the 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 thing that makes God hates astronauts unique is the idiosyncrasies. From the author, and you know, in in the book, but it, like I said, it's a tightrope. You can go either way. If if you start to plan ahead and see, like, well, they're gonna love this, then you you take away what makes the book unique, which was that you can't plan for anything in right. it. It's well. Do you do you? That's a great place to be. You trust yourself. <laughs> you make yourself laugh. But do you do you
4: ever? Are there other people that you run stuff by on a regular basis? Whether it be your wife or other creators that you're tight with do you, do you ever
0: shoot yeah, them the ideas I, uh, and see if they get a laugh yeah one of one of my oldest and best friends is mike Costa. Who, oh uh, sure that's uh, right oh that's writer. right yeah that's right i forgot about that um yeah. i he usually is a pretty good litmus test for a lot of um a lot of the ideas um my younger brother is a is a writer and he uh he is kind of the unofficial editor on the book at this point. Like he gave, you know, this first issue, when I wrote a million words, he gave me, uh, an incredible amount of, uh, feedback, um, you know, so that I knew story-wise, uh, you know, that it was actually working. Uh, yeah, you know, Mike's, Mike's a big sounding board for me, for my humor. Stegman, I send stuff to Stegman even though he doesn't pay attention to oh, it. He doesn't laugh. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he cries. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so alright, so side side tracking briefly. Um I I don't know if you'd even be up for this, Ryan, but it it came to me when on Sunday when um I think Jason was getting his at Humans Jam piece done by um Ryan and after we came back, Ryan was um we were talking to Scotty and Ryan was doing a uh was was giving an aspiring comic book artist, a, a portfolio review. Mm-hmm. And I thought about the day before when Jason had his portfolio and you were going through it. Um, My portfolio had, of art that I've purchased, not that art that I've drawn. For this yes. Year. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and uh, which was one of the few times where you actually, I, I'll say, had some downtime. Every time I walked by your table, you were sketching for someone. You were talking to someone about – your work. So I, I thought Heroes was, was a good con for you, at least from yeah, my it perspective. Great. It was really fun. Um, but if, if, uh, would you be willing to do a portfolio review if someone came up to you at New York or C2E2 or is that just like, do you not want to? Cause I think you would be able to just, just again with, with, with what you were telling Jason. But I mean, if I, I I'd be curious to know, you know, your take on portfolio reviews if you feel that you know you'd be comfortable doing that
0: oh yeah for sure i do them every once in a while uh i used to teach um, and that was i basically i give portfolio reviews and i'm not very kind uh not in not in a mean-spirited way at right. all but well, you got it, it's not yeah i'm not i'm not going to tell people how great their stuff is for the entire time you know right. i so, so, you know, sometimes people respond to that really, really well, and then some people just say, screw you, um, you know. But I, I, I love giving portfolio reviews. I love I love seeing stuff. Uh, I gave a couple at uh, Special Edition in New York. Um, they went to the same college as me, and that was kind of fun to see them. They just graduated to see uh, where they were um, compared to where I was Um and uh yeah so uh, no I I definitely I love I love doing portfolio reviews I especially when it's making fun of um Jason's art collection <laughs> that was <laughs> my favorite time <laughs> That was yeah, that I was mean awesome. <laughs>
3: it, it I I'm I'm not laughing because um because it's art Jason's purchased and I mean it could have been if if Jason was a fan of Uh, Billy Tan's drawings of, of the talking heads when Bendis wrote, you know, Avengers. If those are pages that, that he, that were special to him that he wanted to buy, that's fine. We all, you know, we've all heard people comment on those issues, but, um, so I know that the pages Jason's purchased, they mean something to him. And no matter what anybody says about them, it's not going to take anything away from from the feeling, from the issues, from, from actually purchasing that art. But it was interesting to see, and, and, and there was one, I'm not going to mention the artist, but there was one page he, that, that Ryan turned to and he's like, Oh, and there's the guy who I don't know what the hell's going on on the page. And I'm just like, this dude is like loved by everybody who reads the books he draws. And Ryan's just like, hey, you know, there's, there's that. And he turns the page. And he's like, Oh, look, where'd that hand come from? And it's just like, and it's, and it was, it was enjoyable to watch. I've, I, I, I wasn't, I'm glad it wasn't my collection, but it would have been, it would have been neat to see even if it was mine, cause I wanted to know, you know, how, how another artist, professional artist, feels about when he's just talking to a couple of dudes and, 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 and feels about someone's art style and the way they lay out pages and stuff. That's what I, that's, that's the, that's the part of the process that I enjoy is, is to know how some artists, because I got a sense of that in one of my very first Conventions, and um, I was I was a big Uncanny X Men fan at the time. It was the Paul Smith era. I went I went to a con in New York with a friend of mine, and I picked up some uh, some well, I guess prints we'd call them. But um, I picked up a, a, a Scott Summers headshot for me, and I picked up I think it was a, a Wolverine for my brother. And I was walking through other tables, and there was a couple of artists sitting together and i i don't remember who they are now but they asked to see what it is that i purchased and they were basically ripping on the dude who sold me who who, who did the headshots because and it i that's why they i I was attracted to him because he basically just uh traced over Paul Smith headshots mm-hmm. and and that was why i liked them but i it it i mean they were just kind of Going into the dude and 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 I'm just I, I'm just a fan and I like that I mean because I was much younger at the time so it, it a lot of what they were saying was was over my head but I I just I like the um that, that's why I, I'm always in, I don't want to eavesdrop and I don't want to stand over some dude thinking that you know I'm I'm mocking him. if Ryan Stegman was going to talk about someone's and he was taking notes and everything Ryan broke down each page dude has moleskin out and he was just writing everything and, and that's
0: great
3: I I. I enjoyed seeing it, but it's not something that I wouldn't want to invade someone's personal space. And so, I mean, to see you talking about someone's portfolio or original art, I, I, I like from the outside, I, I like taking that all in.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's an important thing, um, to be able to get an outside eye because, you know, especially from another person that has a decent understanding of fundamentals, um, you know, sometimes those can get lost in the style. Uh, and sometimes you can lose sight of them uh, because you are so within your own head. Uh, and so portfolio reviews are great. I would love it if someone would give me a portfolio review. I could severely need one because uh, it's probably been like six or seven years since I've had one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, you know, like it's just it's such a wonderful way to get because, I mean, drawings are communication, you know, it's an art form, but it's also communication. That's what that's comics. So you have to it has to be read by other people effectively. So that's why it's important to get that to actually listen to the outside, you know, input, uh, even even if you don't think the other person is a good drawer or is good at you in, in any different ways. They're still reading visually what is happening on the page. And if they can't understand it, then unless that person's crazy, you know, you probably have something that you should. To think about or adjust, right, right.
2: Alex Toth was a merciless uh, critic. Yes. Uh, when when approached, you know, for portfolio reviews, but to his credit, it was it was from uh, a point of honesty and experience. Like if you're one of those guys where you get a portfolio review and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, fuck him. You know, yes. he's, he does he doesn't know what he's talking about. You mentally, you're not in the position where you're going to grow as an right. artist because if you discount. The opinions of someone who obviously has the the knowledge and experience, then that's on you. Like Alex Toth tells you, you suck. You figure out why you right. suck. Yeah. You know, listen, listen to the man. Where the 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 people that don't take criticism well are never going to grow as artists. Of course, never.
0: And but I never. would also say that um, there's a lot of portfolio reviews that happen. Like the portfolio reviews that get signed up for are portfolio reviews given by editors. Uh, at comics, you know, at comic shows, uh, and there's a lot of really smart editors with a lot of keen eyes, uh, but really the people that you want to talk to are the people that create, uh, you know, art that actually, and maybe some editors do that, you know, but, uh, you'll gain a lot more from listening to the artists that you show your work to than you will listening to editors. Mm-hmm. Editors will teach you right. perhaps, perhaps, uh, how to get hired by them. Uh, or how to maybe make something more co- commercially uh, commercially acceptable. Uh, but absolutely, um, the times that I've spoken with Brian Stelfreeze or Cliff Chang have been incredibly enlightening to me. Um, you know, and it's not just an editor saying, work on your perspective, work on your figure work, because that doesn't really – I mean, I know to be doing that, and most artists should know to be doing that. Uh, but, you know, taking the time to uh, – Go to artist alley with your portfolio and, uh, you know, if, if, if there's enough time for the artist to actually get a review from that artist, it, it is so invaluable.
4: Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I'm sure this happens to Vince probably more than David and I, but I'm sure I, I would imagine it happens to David sometimes, but I've on more than one occasion since we started doing the show have had friends or acquaintances send me their work excitedly, uh, clearly with the hope that we may mention it on the show or uh, I may because they know we know lots of people in the industry, somehow connect them to someone else. And I'm not an artist, so I don't feel qualified, even though I certainly like to buy art and I love art, to, to weigh in. But often I'll be sent to stuff and I'll think it's really fundamentally flawed. And again, not... Yeah. I'm not speaking to aesthetic. I'm talking about just just basic components of sequential storytelling and figure drawing and perspective and dimension and layout and all that sort of thing. Sure, It's always a tough thing since I'm not in that business to weigh in because – so I basically try and find a nice way to ignore it or end around it, right? Mm-hmm. Um But I'd love to have a hotline. To someone like you, where I could say, "Well, let's send it to, so that you could just be honest with them and you, have some
0: perspective." You've got my phone number,
2: man. You I know. My phone yeah, number. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> you, Jason, to speak on on your point, I think everyone is eminently qualified to comment on art, because the person that sent you that art, uh, eventually, if if they do get published, that art's going to be seen by. A bunch of different people. Uh, not everyone who who looks at their art is going to be schooled in what to look for. Right. They're going to approach approach it from an an entertainment standpoint. So if if you are hungry for opinion, you got to take opinion from every sector of your audience.
0: For sure. Yeah,
4: but I think that so, the conundrum though is if they're sending it to you as a friend, and I'm not an artist. But I see clear flaws, and I'm talking about people where I have zero doubt that if they brought it to a con and gave it to Ryan or to Scotty or to anyone else that we know that that, that would look at the art, they, you, you guys would be very, very tough on it. You, 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 the, the takeaway might be you have a long way to go. You have to work on X, Y, Z, A, B, C, but keep at it, and, and, and I can see that even from my vantage point, point. and the question is what is the value of essentially shitting on their work? when they're coming at me as a friend and I'm not an artist. So I run the risk of if I'm really critical of them saying, well, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're not an artist, even though they asked me for my opinion, right? And it's often in the context of they're not sending it to me saying, hey, what do you think of this art? They're sending it to me saying, hey, look at what I've done. A, I would love for you to to talk about it, or B, I would love for you to connect me with so-and-so if you know them.
0: I I think it's perfectly valid for you to point out that it doesn't you know, communicate well. Uh, because mm-hmm. you are the audience uh oh, yeah. you know, and I definitely uh when my art you know coming up and trying to break in, I've sent stuff to people and they just told me I'm not gonna afford this to the editor I know because it's not you're not ready uh oh, okay. and that's that sucks, but it's hey, that's totally fair you know i especially like I'm not very famous in comics, but I get emailed every day by people mm-hmm. asking me for things, and mm-hmm. it just it just happens and it's you know, it's fine. That's, that's part of the great thing about comics now is everybody is so connected. You know, you can talk on Twitter. You can, you know, there's, there's so many ways to get in touch with the people you love, uh, you know, artistically, but you know, you just, you just can't, you know, it's fair for you to say that you don't like it and that you're not going to endorse it. Like that's absolutely fine. Mm. And maybe that person will think you're a dick, but you know, <laughs> so what? So what if they think you're a dick because, uh, you, you know, you're being, yeah, you're being honest. <laughs> you're being honest about it. And they, part of being an artist is putting yourself out there. Right. Um, especially in this medium where you're not just hiding in, you know, uh, a cabin somewhere painting for 50 years. You're putting something in comics, you know, on a newsstand or on a website And the whole point is to get readers and people look at it. And so if you're not tough enough to, you know, when, when Jason Wood says, I don't like this, uh, you know, if you think he's a dick and write him off, then, you know, you're, it's going to be hard for you to get anywhere, you
2: know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I struggle with this a lot. Uh, cause part of my job is to critique artwork. And if I, if I, Detect some kind of enthusiasm in the artwork, however flawed. That goes a long way with me because art isn't just the visual aspect. There's an emotional quotient to it too that you can't really, you have to, you have to pick it up as you go along. Like, yes, maybe this, this, the anatomy is flawed, but there's energy in this work that is a byproduct of that. Uh, You know, maybe not, maybe unplanned byproduct, but but if if you can pick up on something in the artwork that makes it unique, like art is, uh, artistic styles are like speaking. Some people speak really well, like Jason. Jason, I think, is an awesome speaker. He's eloquent. He he's to the point. He tells you exactly what's on his mind. He uses words that, um evoke certain things and he's powerful yeah i'm giving him the because i think he's a very very compelling speaker we have other people that like myself that mumble and stumble through things and pick words that may not be the best choice you know artistic styles are like speaking on paper mm-hmm. it, it, the 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 stumbling might be there, but if the passion is also there, that goes a long way with me too. So I, I can't mercilessly like savage somebody's art if I'm looking at it and and I'm thinking, wow, this guy loves to draw. Uh, I I I'm getting the, the the impression that this guy loves to draw because there's an enthusiasm in there that to me is worth as much as great rendering mm-hmm. or 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 even adequate rendering um, because. A lot of people speak in a lot of different ways. You, you got like Mark Bayer and Gary Panner that do not talk on paper the same way as like Jabba Simo or Wally Wood. So you, you have to kind of pick up on where they're coming from initially and then tweak your opinions in accord to, you know, where you think they're coming from.
0: Oh, of course. It's all, yeah. 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 I mean, you can tell a very amazing, you know, like emotionally driven story with a circle and a square if you want to. Uh, right, you know, right. it's just how you communicate with them. So portfolio reviews, it, you, you base a portfolio review based on what they clearly want to be doing. If they're drawing superheroes, then you can start talking to them about, well, I mean, no matter what you're going to be talking to them about storytelling, like that's the most important thing, um, uh, to have going on correctly. Uh, you, correctly meaning people can understand what you're trying to say. People you going understand who the characters are and where they are and what they're doing. Uh, Then you could do that in any art style imaginable. Uh, you know, I've definitely had portfolio reviews. I did a portfolio review once a couple years ago at New York Comic Con, uh, that the guy did all of his art out of cut paper and he made Mm -hmm. comics and like everyone was made out of like little triangles out of like cut paper. And it was very, like I couldn't criticize him on his, you know, anatomy or his perspective because everything was flat. Everything was, uh, you know, bold shapes, uh, and you know, broad colors, but Uh, you know you could read the story you could understand the story and that's what that was what was more important to talk to him about um than you know like the fundamentals of how to draw comics the marvel way or whatever
2: i think i went to school with that guy
0: yeah did
2: you no when i way back in the day when i was in school there was a dude that would make everything out of cut paper Regardless of of the the assignment, like the teacher would say, okay, today we're gonna mold a, a you know a, a turtle out of plaster of Paris, and the kid would do cut paper, like he would totally ignore <laughs> what the teacher said. Do everything. That I, I wonder if that's the same dude. Yeah. That would be funny. But no, I I, I love to critique art, and in, in in a in a way, it 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 bothers me too because. I'm trying to be honest and I know somewhere along the line something I say is going to hurt this person but and you you have to be honest. Yeah. If you're if you're not then just step away and let somebody more qualified do it because the, the you have to be savage. These people if you want to improve as an artist you need to hear the bad stuff. Yes. yes. And, and if you if you could take it then then you you have a bright future. If not then you don't belong in the business.
0: Yeah. And we and you know this is a job that um, whether it is actually fun or not it is pretty fun a lot of times uh, but that attracts a lot of you know a lot of people who read comics want to make comics that's um, mm-hmm. part of the fun of the medium uh, it, that you can you can want to play in the world because you enjoy reading the world so much uh, and that brings a lot of people that don't really follow through with figuring out exactly how to do that uh, and then their expectations on where they're gonna be going, uh, versus what is realistic. Uh, and so frequently I have people that will think that they're about to get hired by Marvel or DC, uh, who show me their work and they're extremely far off. Uh, and I was one of those people for a very long time. Uh, and so I feel like, I feel like people weren't hard enough with me as I was coming up uh, that I had very unrealistic expectations for quite a while.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: part of it was because, uh, Paulo Rivera was my roommate in college. And oh, he started, yes. yeah, and he started working right, uh, his senior year. He started working for Marvel. Uh, and you know, we had kind of similar, similar grades. We were both in the honors program. Uh, but, uh, but realistically I didn't, you know, I didn't work for Marvel until what? 11 years after him. Uh, but, you know, I spent a long time thinking that, you know, I always wanted to do the same kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, I was good at art. I knew I was good at art, but, uh, you know, no one really put me well in my place on where my career really was and like what, what I needed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I certainly had a lot of portfolio reviews that were a lot of your almost theirs. Um, you know, about eight years before I was almost there. Um, and I felt, felt like that was kind of un, built up like an unrealistic goal, uh, frequently. So, you know, I usually, because of that, I usually am, I think that makes me harsher on people when I give them reviews. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You, the goal is important if if you get someone who wants to work for marvel and d c while there is a big there 's a lot of spread there in artistic styles more so now than than ever before, but you have to do things in the at least in the zone for marvel and d c yeah where whereas if you know you want to work for or be published by say fanographics or or uh, one, uh, one of those kind of publishers there 's a lot more leeway with what you can do. I think it's important to know what the goal is with these people. Like if, if I want to draw superheroes and your art just isn't in the, within that spread, then yeah, you gotta be merciless. Yeah, it's
0: the, that's the first question I ask every, every portfolio review is, is what do you want to do with this? Like what is, what is your goal? Um, because that, you know, that's super important. You know, like it's even different. Like if someone says, I want to make a book for image, that's a different, you know, I can look at it differently than if I want to get hired at Marvel. You know,
2: right? Yeah, and it's
0: a different it's a different way of approaching things.
2: Right, right. Yeah, honesty's tough.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, it's hard, especially um, someone like myself who sees beauty in all kinds of art, whether whether it's I, I, I honestly cannot call any art bad.
4: Well, and the other thing too, Vince, is we gave you a shit for a long time, and you're still really, to be honest. Coming to terms with this, which is putting your own artwork out there.
2: Yeah, I've, I've, I'm in the I'm in the screw you, I'm going to do what I do zone, and that's the best place to be. Yeah. It, it's taken me a long time to get there uh, because and the, the way I saw it before is I, I'm I'm one of the voices of this goofy show, and we talk about other people's art week after week after week. And yeah, we generally praise everything we talk about because why why bring shit to the table? It's only going to stink, right? Um so so in in talking about other people's art and being passionate about it I kind of sorta got a reputation of being someone who loves art. So if I'm going to take my art and put it out there, I'm going to be judged. Yeah. H- more harshly than someone who, you know, doesn't talk about art every week. So I was actually scared to put my own art, but there's a point where you're just like I'm going to die and have nothing to show for it. <laughs> I, I got to get my stuff out there. Yeah, I so now-
4: that's right. And and I know – I don't want to speak for David, but I, I, I can imagine he's in the same boat with me, which is that it's been so endearing, and I know many of our listeners won't quite know what, what we're getting at yet because it's been more of a friends and family type of thing. But it's been very endearing to see you truly passionate about making art that you're willing to let other people see. Uh, yeah, of late, yeah. And, and it really is genuinely a, a major change in your
2: perspective on this kind of thing. That because yeah, you can't care. You cannot care. If if, if I, I'm trying to second guess myself and, and think, well, there's going to be a huge, well, as huge as our audience is, a huge part of the audience is going to look at this and say, this guy doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. But I, I I can't I can't go into it with that anymore. It's just like I mean Ryan knows the same thing. You make it for yourself. And and it'll all work out.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe unless you have horrible taste. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah.
2: Then, uh I just love to talk about art, and it's well, uh, self self taught art is one of my passions. Well, I love these these guys that just do it from their basement mm-hmm. and don't give a shit.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I I, I when I think about our time doing the show, and it, it it does sometimes amaze me. uh Again, maybe because I'm not an artist. At the kinds of things that I will be really drawn to. And then coincidentally, there are things that I'm not really affected by or I'm not impressed with. And I, I still don't know as nice as it was of you, Vince, to talk about my ability to be, uh, eloquent at times. You I, are a great speaker. I, well, thank you. But, but I, but artistically, it's still sometimes difficult for me to articulate why something artistically grabs me when say something else, which many may view in a similar capacity don't.
2: Um, That's a and, big, big mystery, and, isn't and it, it?
4: And it is often. I mean, art is highly sub- subjective, and 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 I say all this. And, and you guys know this, and, and I think many of our listeners do. You know, my father is an artist, and He makes his living that way. So, so so I've always had an appreciation for art, and I love my father's what he does. But, but again, it's it's purely subjective. There, there are, um, like when David was bringing up Brian's critique of of my of my portfolio, he was doing it very tongue in cheek. But he was bringing up legitimate points that at certain pages that he thought were, uh, he would have chosen not to do it that way. Let's put it that way. Um, so, so there is a, there is a, uh, it seems to me like there's almost a scientific structural component to, to the art of comics, but then a huge part of it is that subjective part. Um,
0: yeah, it's, I mean, it's an art, but it's also communication. You know, right. It's a right, language. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so you can like for example I'm not a better artist than any of those artists in your original art book like by far but as an outside you know viewer of it I can talk about how it communicates sure. and if I see flaws in it um, you know but the other thing about that work um, is that one of the things about American comics is that they're done on a deadline and on a schedule and if the storytelling isn't working, but you've already, you know, started penciling it and you've gotten this far and you've got to finish the page by the end of the day. Well, guess what? There's a bad tangent in there and it's going to have to be there. Uh, (laughs) because you have to make your deadline. So in, in some ways when you're like, it's more fair to critique, uh, someone that's, you know, showing me their best pages they've sat in their basement and drawn forever and thought about, but it's a little bit unfair sometimes, uh, when someone is drawing on a monthly schedule, and you have bad tangents, or uh there's no backgrounds in this shot. I know I was busting, what you have one page in there that has like six panels with two people having a conversation or something, and there's not a hint of a background, and you can't, <laughs> frick, just looking at the page, I was like, I have no, they could be on Mars. There is no indication of where they are. Um But I'm sure it read fine in the story and it was also like a time saver because this is, you know, it's a time sensitive art form. You have to produce. And that's, and, and, you know, you, you mentioned
3: tangents while, while, while you were looking through Jason's portfolio and these were things that if, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but he, you, you didn't notice them on the page reading the story or, or just you, you were never, didn't pay attention. Two tangent. No, correct. Yeah. Uh, to be honest,
4: I, I didn't even know what, what a tangent was until Ryan looked <laughs> at <laughs> So so as
3: as someone who nor is, have
4: none nor have any of us ever brought up that concept of tangent in our critiques of artwork in all the years we've done that, the show. Right,
3: because it, it is, is it it is hard to exp- like if if you know in, in panel one there's a fist coming at you from from the right side of the panel and then in panel two there's like a, a barbell. With that you don't see the weights on it, so it looks like in panel one the fist is coming out of or, or the barbell bar is part uh, is 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 the forearm for the fist it's just it's hard to explain a tangent unless you know you have the the book it, in front of you art boys, uh, how, how would how, you explain how, tangent
2: how about it's it's an unfortunate intersection of two elements producing um unplanned for results there you go. And, and, is that good? And, and, Ryan, do you think that pretty much sums it up? Yeah,
0: sure. It, it, if you could, if you could visualize panel one, uh, maybe there's you see like oh, maybe there's a watermelon sitting on a table, but the mm-hmm. bottom of the watermelon is cut off by the panel border at the bottom. And then in panel two, there's a man sitting there, uh, but you can't see the top of his head because it's cut off with the with the top of the panel border in panel two, and the lines for the watermelon line up with the edges of his head so right. that when you see it, it will look <laughs> like he's got a half watermelon head. And, and the center, <laughs> which is
2: kind of compelling. <laughs> center,
0: which yeah, I, I, I want to play head with head. this a lot, and I haven't done it because it, may, it will make the art look bad. Uh, but I have this idea that I'm probably never going to use, so someone else can take it, uh, of a character called the Tangent. I love it. And in every single panel, he is just standing in some way that ruins the space He's too close to someone. He's, right. His arm is right up against the border of a panel, or he's <laughs> like reaching his hand through one and the other side, like a you know a cat is coming out of the exact same shape or something like that. That's, but I will never do it because it will make the art look terrible. Well, and to your point, that would be something
4: that likely would only be noticed and appreciated by other artists right and that's
3: and and yeah and and and, you know the the thinner the the gutters between panels play into it but it, it is one of those things where um someone who's just reading a comic someone who is just a comic book fan who enjoys the stories they may not get that that's just that that was poorly laid out i mean i i can talk about a a the action on a page where if it's a fight scene where it makes no sense and, you know, I don't know how they got from the beginning of the page to the end of the page because the, the way the fight was laid out was just really bad and, you know, I, I could talk about action sequences that way, but right, when it comes to tangents the maybe the average comic book reader isn't going to pick up on
4: that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's talk for a second about Economy of Line because you just referenced a the- a page, and I don't know which page it was, where you noticed there were no backgrounds on the page or what have you. Um in my portfolio. And I wanted, I wanted to talk about a book this, this week, um that I read and enjoyed quite a bit. And I, I thought it was timely because if I'm not mistaken, Ryan, you are a fellow fan of this person's artwork. And that is, uh, Andrew McLean's Headlopper.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: And so, Andrew just, a Headlopper 2, I picked up from Andrew at Heroes Con. It was a, a Kickstarter that he, that I backed last year. Uh, it was the second, um, I think it's like a 48 page comic. So it was, it was volume yeah, 2. Yeah, it's oversized. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's a comic about, uh, Norgil, who is, uh, the Headlopper, otherwise known as Norgle. He is a, uh, Conan esque. Uh, oversized barbarian person, total badass. Uh, in, in the first version of volume of Headlopper, he uh, we're introduced to him. He fights a giant serpent that's terrorizing a a sea, a sea town. Uh, he's hired to take care of the serpent. He does so. He uh, aside from being a badass, he clearly has a past. He's well known. Uh, he also has a sidekick, which is the immortal head of a blue sea witch. Uh, that for some reason he can't get rid of. He 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 punts her. He kicks her. He dunks her in water. He puts her in a bag. He stuffs stuff in her mouth to make her shut up. But for some reason he has to. He's we, we've yet to learn why, but he's burdened by carrying her around at all times. In, in this in this v- volume two, which is called the Wolves of Bara, he is uh, brought further into this land and the political machinations. He has to fight gigantic uh, wolves that would put Big Beat to shame uh, of fables fame. He is being set up, though, by the powers that be to go and slay, or so he thinks, uh, a, a sorcerer who is who is being credited with with bringing all of these different beasts to the to the region. Uh, but but in essence, he's he's being set up to do this because the sorcerer is calling the shots, and he needs the head of this witch to use her magic to be able to free himself from an entrapment that he's in. So so I just read Headlapper volume two this week and thought it was absolutely mind bogglingly fantastic from start to finish. But one thing that I, and if I'm not mistaken, you bought a page from Andrew, uh, or have a page from Andrew from Heroes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I know you're a fan of his work, but, but if I'm being fair, there are many, many pages of Andrew's that have very little to no background. Uh, sure. and one of the things I love about his work is, what I referenced at the start of this conversation, which is the economy of line. Uh, it's one of the things I like about S- Scotty's work as well. Uh, Scotty Young. V- very few lines on the page when you look at it before pre-coloring and pre-lettering and the like. But it, no, it, it, but in no way does it keep from telling the story that they're trying to convey. Um, and, and so I, it just got me thinking, and I thought again that, that's, that you might have a thought here since I know you're a fan of McLean's work. Why is it that certain artists we can appreciate that economy of line and view it almost as if it's it's an ascendant ability where where you say to yourself, "How did he do that? How did he put eight lines on that panel down and and tell that story in such a way?" Whereas there are other times when we're aghast at the fantastic detail that are put into a page, like a Quapel which I love who who cross hatches and puts i mean there's just a a trillion different pencil lines on his page.
2: Like George Perez, Perez,
4: right? Yeah. So, so what is it then about line work, and why some shine by having an economy of it, while others shine by having such detail? What do you, what do you guys think it is that that appeals to us? Is there a reason why some of those kinds of things resonate, and some don't?
0: Yeah, um, with for him, it's shape. Mm-hmm. Shape is what's important, um, and. You know, he can get away with, um, fewer lines because they're more careful, uh, and more, um, expressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he could break everything down into old shapes with simple lines. Um, and that will flatten out a surface usually. So, you know, Andrew's stuff is extremely flat. Uh, even his, uh, you know landscapes don't create very much depth because of the flatness and again the economy of line as you said uh but for him it's 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 the overall shape and we can appreciate shape from a greater deep or from a greater distance um and shapes push our eyes across the page and through the story uh you know we we see everything first in in you know bold Shapes and then we break it down and look into the details. Uh, but when your shapes are as evocative as Andrew's are, because his lines are so careful, uh, you know, and his curves are so graceful, um, it will it will make you, you don't need much information, and it's still really really visually striking. I don't know if that made any sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm I think one of the things that that uh, should be um, taken into consideration when you 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 look at the work of someone who has an economy of line is the 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 stuff on the paper is the end result it's the end point of a very long journey mm-hmm when you are um, designing characters or or conceiving this world that you want to bring to the paper you're you're essentially you're noodling you're you're exploring with the pencil like how does this character work let me see Hmm. all right Uh, maybe he'll have some skin here and you're throwing a lot of lines down because you don't really know this character hasn't presented itself to you yet so over a period of time you 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 realize what Works with this character. What doesn't work? The shapes of the forms comprising the character, and you're distilling that thing down to its basic elements. Like you can't remove any part of it without destroying the character. That's a long process. So when when, when someone throws it down with a very very few lines, all of the work, all all of the 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 groundwork that that went into that, you don't see it, but you see the beauty of the 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 character in its essential elements mm-hmm. and that's that's really difficult to do like i've seen people uh, who who do have a, a very e- economical style be criticized as like there's not a whole lot on the page yeah there is there's a ton of work on that page you just don't see it mm-hmm. because because it, it's so perfect in its simplicity
0: yeah it's, it's a little confidence
2: yeah it took a long while to get there i mean that just doesn't happen yeah, I, you I, I think you the guys are.
4: It. It's encouraging to hear you both say this because that that would be, again, as someone who doesn't identify as an artist, that would be how I would describe to someone why these kinds of art pieces appeal to me because of the fact that they are exactly that. The economy is so confident, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's saying Brave. I only yeah. need these. These are the absolute minimum amount of lines I need to tell you the story I'm trying to tell you. And if you're getting the story, then I have done my job to the best of my ability. And that is really difficult. And it's not, and it's certainly not the only way to tell a story because lords know I love hyper detailed work, uh, as well. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, but to hear you guys say that it's, that, that does explain a lot to me because I, I don't know sometimes why I can look at something that, that is just a few lines and say that, that appeals to me as much, if not more than something that's got, you know, 80 hours of cross hatching
0: on it. Right. Right. De- right. Detail for me is frequently a crutch. Um, you know, if I draw enough detail, no one, no one will be able to tell that I can't actually draw, you know, yeah. um, yeah, it's, de- is. You know, detail is easy. Detail just takes time, uh, uh-huh. and, and paying attention, you know, uh, but doing something like what Andrew does to just be confident enough that you know in the lines that you have uh, is really, really impressive. It, it's a different like in Scotty. I mean, gosh, I mean, you know Scotty. Scotty is one of the most confident people I've ever met, uh, and that really, really comes through in his artwork. Yes.
2: Um, it's yeah. Whereas it's I will
0: sit here and make jokes about myself all the time uh and hide behind doing little noodly details uh because of you know insecurities in my ability to you know really render something well or uh, do something simply but you know effectively
2: Yeah, Scotty has had a tremendous effect on me. I'll be honest, and and I I don't want to give him a big head, but Mm -hmm, I I, I, think, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I mean, rightly so, rightly so. Yeah, no, he's awesome. (laughs) I often find myself, and this is no bullshit. I often find myself asking the question, "What would Scotty do when I'm when I'm making my own stuff?" WWSD. How would Scotty approach this and and i I've learned so much from Scotty that i mean i I can never repay him but uh jason i was this is a great topic because um one of the guys who who isn't commonly associated with a uh an economical style is one of your golden boys, and I was just—I just got caught up on. Well, I just started the the journey into his most recent series, and I, as I'm looking at his work, I said to, to myself, you know, a brushy style does not often so equated. Yeah, Matt Kent yeah. has an amazing economy of line. Mm-hmm. He he is incredibly brave because he does it in a couple brush strokes, but there's also a real danger with his approach. To, to, to making art because I can only imagine the amount of people that look at Kent's work and think, man, this guy can't draw. Yeah. And, and, and we, I mean, we all know he can. Uh, it's obvious. The, the man can not only draw, he can, he can, uh, sequential art. He nails it. I mean, his, his panel progressions are amazing. Right. But, but, but to the layman looking at, at Kent's style thinking, man, this is just, this is rocks simple i mean why why is this guy special and then you you pick up on it after being experienced experienced with his work that there's a gorgeous beauty to his work that is just so immediate and so simple he just bam he throws it down i i can assume and it all works perfectly Hard to do. That, that's yeah, very man. difficult to do. And I give him credit for being so freaking brave. It's not a style that wows a huge portion of the comic buying public. But <laughs> it, it, I think he's amazing.
0: Yeah, well, he has faith in his ability to communicate and tell a story. Uh, yeah. And it really is his his strong suit. Like, you can you can always tell who the characters are. You can always tell what they're doing. You can always tell where they are. Like, And that's mm-hmm. extremely important. And even though... You know, you look at mind management and you might not think that he's the best renderer in the world. That book is still scary and right. intense and mm-hmm. the drawings are so simple. It's just, it's amazing what he can do.
2: Right. I, the, the, uh, the outcome is, is awesome because he, like you said, he's telling a story. That pushes you in a, a, a ton of different directions and makes you feel for, the, and the characters he creates, he makes you feel for these characters and they're very real. And he does it with a rudimentary style that, you know, there's no flash to Kent's style. It's, it's all a matter of fact. He relies on a character with a scar. I mean, it's just basically, uh, uh, an approximation of a bald man with a scar. And that, that says all he needs to say. Mm-hmm. And it's just it it's like a diamond in its perfection. It's so simple and beautiful, and 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 uh, I I can't praise Kent enough.
4: Yeah, I think I think Matt uh, and and Jeff Lemire are in the same boat, and that's by no coincidence so right. they yep. are they really good friends. Uh, and I think about that a lot because they both have gone on to uh, and continue to be quite successful as writers for other artists now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think there's something to that. I think. Um, I, I think neither of them, I, they're two of my favorite artists, but I think to your point, I, I can only imagine based on their styles that there are a big component of people that don't read The art, uh, how am I, I, I'm stumbling here, but what I mean is, is the majority of people that are reading superhero comics or big two comics likely find their art styles challenging or not necessarily engaging, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm making a, I'm making a, a rather broad supposition here. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but, but that would be my, I would agree with your, your assertion there. Um, but I find them both highly engaging and, and you're right that the, 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 any individual panel may not floor you in the way that a grandpa or a Paul Pope panel might or, 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 or a, a Jimmy Chung panel or what have you, but they convey the story so effectively, mm-hmm. uh, that it supersedes that, you know, and, and to me, the, the, the stylings then become an asset. Uh, I know exactly when I picture a Jeff Lemire piece of art or a Matt Kinn piece of art. I know what I'm look. I, I can in my mind understand what that means instantly. Um, so, so yeah, I guess it, it again it gets back to the components of of art. In this case, of comic books, isn't and, and Ryan said it well. It, it's there, there's an aesthetic part, but there's also a, a functional part of, of being able to tell a story. And the this, the 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 way something looks panel to panel is more subjective i think the ability to tell a story is less so you you either can or you cannot right and and that's something they certainly can and uh yeah i i love kent to death and and, and i just think that the dude is in in rarefied air when it comes to structuring a story um, and not coincidentally i think he also has a real keen eye for packaging in general and i would give ryan credit for this too i the, 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 he, and Jim Rugg is another one. The, the, all of you guys, you think about the entirety of the work, uh, from the from the, the 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 layout of the of the cover of the book to uh, the word balloons to the to the to, the, to the, st- the structure of the page to the materials that you're using to the back matter. Everything is a totality. It's all part of the finished product, uh, and, and and that's I think something that serves you all well and and makes you distinctive in in today's Sort of pr- pr- production by numbers world that we live in now, where everything's kind of you know from A to B to C, so i I think that that's that's something that I wish more creators had and and, and don't and I'd even put Hickman in that you know again he's he's kind of on the yeah. other end of the spectrum he's not an artist but but Hickman's a guy who takes control of every aspect of his comic in terms of he picks the artist. He does the covers. He structures. And again, his art is – his stylings are vastly different from those of what we're talking about. But but again, I would give him that same credit that he views the entirety of the book from the way the cover looks to the fonts that are being used to the way everything is structured to the way everything is sold and packaged. Everything to him matters just like it does to you and to Lemire and to Kent. You know That that seems to be a commonality between you all even though your visual – the look of your books in, in the interiors is vastly different.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's something that I feel like is a trend that's, that's continuing, you know, uh, especially at image, um, where you have total control of your book, you know, a lot, a lot of books, you know, big two books, uh, you know, there's in-house graphic designers that do every book, you know, put it together, come up with the logos, lay out the type, uh, you know, inside front cover, uh, all those little details, um, and, you know, with like Marvel and DC, they try to build a, you know, a brand unity. This is what Marvel books look like. This is what DC books look like. Uh, but when you're doing a creator own book, you know, like with what, you know, stuff like with John, Jonathan's doing an image, um, he is building that book. That book is, you know, within the Hickman universe, but it, it, it has its own look to it. It has its own feel to it. Um, the entire reading experience from front to back cover is important, uh, especially to Jonathan Hickman. Uh, you know, and, and again, that's not something that you can always afford the time to do, but he spends the time and the care to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not to say that you need that for your book, but even the ads that you have in your book are going to take a reader out, put a reader someplace else, uh, you know, convey a different image, you know, into your mind that, that will, that will be different from what you maybe had planned for your story and affects how it's being read. Uh, you know, like, the first issue of God Hates Astronauts, I did every single page. Uh, so the, the story actually ends on the inside back cover is the final page of the story. Uh, and then the back cover, I actually, I just made a bunch of fake quotes, um, instead of actually asking (laughs) asking real people, uh, which I think is pretty fun. So I'm probably going to do that on every issue. But again, it's, I have the space to do it because image allows, image gives me 32 pages. If I want to do a 20 page book, and then put ads in it. That is absolutely fine. And that's what I'll do, you know, probably frequently to make my deadline. Um, but if I need, if you look at Manhattan projects, sometimes Nick draws 25 pages, 26 pages, uh, whatever the story really needs to, um, to happen. And you can't, you know, you can't really do that at Marvel and DC unless, you know, cause there's so much money involved. Uh, you know, you can, you can have a double sized issue that costs a lot more money. Uh, but really, almost everybody is on a 20. You have 20 pages to tell your story, um, and then maybe a letters page. Uh, I, I I
3: don't know if you can actually. I don't know if this is too. Um, do it, it, you, you mentioned ads? And you know, if you wanted to do 10 pages of ads, it's it's God hates astronauts. It's your book. Do they? Do the other creators? pay you for the ad space is it just something that is I, how how does that work being a creator at image
0: um i'm not totally sure yet okay. um i'm figuring it out uh i it's basically been paying favors that's what um, i thought yeah i did i did a pinup for uh for john layman for an upcoming two related thing uh and he's running a three page God hates astronauts ad in the new issue of chew. Uh and then uh you know it's like asking your friends to do other books. Uh I'm you know I'm gonna run a book for the book I'm gonna run an ad for the book spread that Justin Jordan uh and Kyle Stromer doing uh, because it. they're gonna run an ad for God Hates Astronauts. Um, so we you know kinda helping each other out preferably with like like minded books. Um you know, I did a Chew revival pinup, uh, for that crossover. And so, you know, uh, there'll be a God Hates, a big God Hates Astronauts ad in the next issue of revival. Uh, so it's, it's some of that kind of stuff, calling in favors with friends, um, okay. you know, back and forth. Makes sense.
2: Yeah. This has been fascinating so far. This episode went in a direction I never, <laughs> never <laughs> can see. It's awesome when this happens though.
0: Sorry. I'm, a- Jake- I'm actually not a funny person. Believe it or not, <laughs> I can yeah, vouch for I that. Disagree. That's true. That's I disagree to me, but all right. Serious is a heart attack. This guy. It's, it's, it's I can be when it's important, know. and this is important.
2: Yes, you're right. Did you? Just, you had to mention. Well, I mentioned Kent, but you had to push me my mind in a direction. Now I'm just pondering all the. The, the the possibilities. Um,
3: well, I mean, it, it, I think for me, it it also kind of depends on on the story being told. I I don't know. It would be neat for us to see, you know, Mattkin draw an an issue of of Incredible Hulk, but that's because I'd like to see him do that. But I don't know if his style works with Incredible Hulk. But there
4: are. Well, I have him. I, I mean, he did an Avengers uh Cover mock for me. So, uh for those that are unsure of that, you can always go to my comic art fans page and look at Matt drawing the Avengers.
3: See, that was That's the other thing. I was, I was thinking <laughs> we should have if if we were you know, if if we did have video, I I would be curious to to hear Ryan go through your comic art fan page and and uh. pick some things out. But anyway, um,
2: <laughs> no, I, I again, David, I think. It has a lot to do with confidence. Like, the the farther you distance yourself from realism, the more confidence you have to have in the perception of your audience. And mainstream comics, there's not a whole lot of confidence in the perception of the audience. Like, I don't think there's anybody out there that can besmirch the drawing ability of Art Adams. The man can render like a son of right. a bitch. But he does not have a ton Of confidence in his that that his audience is going to get what he's putting down. He he puts down exactly what he wants you to see, exactly the way he wants you to perceive his work. That's what you get with Kent. Kent drops a whole mess of the process in the laps of his audience, where his his work may not work may not do the the Hulk uh, justice, which is a a mainstream book designed for a certain a particular type of audience you know what i'm yes, saying yeah. mm-hmm. that 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 kent has confidence in in your ability to perceive what's going on and and to translate that brushstroke into something other than what's on the page that's that's what i'm i'm, I'm getting at where there there's a subjective quality to kent's work that doesn't i don't I don't want to say doesn't belong that doesn't isn't usually present in mainstream comics because the audience is different
3: right right yeah yeah, that, which I get, I think we're, we're saying similar things, just. Yeah. It's,
2: it's just, you know, where, where do you, how do you want to get to the, to the end result? There's a million ways to get there, depending on the, 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 the person for which this art is intended. Right,
3: right. Yeah. Like Art Adams can draw the hell out of a new mutants annual. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to see Art Adams draw Queen of Country, although he killed it with, you know, Gumby. But still, yeah. You know, so there are certain things that I just it it's I guess you expect you expect certain things from certain artists, or or. or but I mean, that's that's on you I, absolutely. And I absolutely love Strange Tales. I, I thought, you know, I mean, seeing Stephanie Bushima draw draw some of Marvel's women in in a few pages, Maris Wicks doing the two pager from All New X Men. You know, I mean, they they had those anthology type issues where you just had people just. You never expected to see certain right. creators drawing certain certain characters, certain stories, and and so I mean, I I like the experimentation as as, as far as that goes.
2: Um, yeah, and then there are certain guys whose style I I think would work in any arena, like like Jaime Hernandez, who proved that he could nail the Marvel stuff on the Strange Tales. He 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 he's one of the finest cartoonists of his generation, and and I think they get that. That's one guy who's who could do anything.
3: Yes. I agree. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, and I mean, and there's, um, Ringo, he, I mean, it, it, not a whole hell of a lot of cross-hatching on, on those, on those pages.
2: No. Um,
3: no. I, you know, what you see is what you get and it was, it's just perfect. And, uh, you know, so there are, but you know, then, then, then you think about Jim Lee and Scott Williams and, and there's, there's hatching and noodling up the wazoo and, and it's, Depending on, I mean, if, if it's Superman or Batman just standing there posing, that could look pretty nifty. But, uh, the action sequences, it it may, may not be the same thing.
2: The ability's there. Yes. Yeah. Let's throw Mr. Brownie a ball because he's quiet and I don't want, I don't (laughs) want want to be quiet. I'm listening.
0: listening. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you heard enough of me? No.
2: No, 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 no. So, this new series. Okay do you have a vision for the duration uh, of uh, a number is, is there is there a, a a number of issues you want to get under your belt until you finally say well okay this this is this God hates astronauts this story's told
0: um, that's not I don't think that's ever gonna happen um, nice I mean it will happen when people stop buying it and I can't afford to do it I think that's absolutely what you know will cause its downfall you know I mean it may be a you know, maybe it, it will do well enough to like sustain itself, which would be really, really, I mean, that's obviously the, the dream. Uh But I, I've kind of put enough stuff in place that I've kind of created a world where anything can happen. Uh, so the story can be whatever I want it to be. Um, and so even if we're not directly following these characters, it still would be within this universe. Um, you know, and maybe that's, S- somewhat of a benefit of not having a real clear mission statement on what the plot is, is that it's more about a world and a sense of humor and uh, a way of making comics that it can just keep going as long as I have ideas uh, for sound effects, uh, yeah. animals I want to draw that I haven't drawn yet. Art.
2: So you're, sur- you're surrendering, part of the process is you surrendering yourself to this world and letting it determine where it wants to go.
0: Yeah, it 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 does. Uh, you know, it's it's very effortless comic making for me. Um the only That's awesome. the only times that it's not <laughs> the only times that it's not effortless is when I have to draw cars, which I hate drawing cars. They're very very hard. <laughs> uh and my father <laughs> so my uh my father was an, en- an automotive team. engineer for mm-hmm. 43 years, uh but I still can't draw cars. Uh so I actually started uh removing cars so <laughs> people are just horse. kind of people Here's are just floating, floating around chair. sitting with the steering wheel in their hands <laughs> or uh, cosmic chairs. because
2: but see you can draw the hell out of a horse though yeah, but that's how, so how easy yeah,
0: I know, yeah. that's organic wow, okay. that makes sense to me you know that has joints and muscles and ligaments Uh whereas a car is a bunch of angles and shapes mm-hmm. that are hard to get in the right place uh and especially when I draw a card, it takes so much effort that then it's really stiff and stale looking. Like I don't know how Treadmore is doing what he's doing on Ghost Rider. Uh it's it just it's otherworldly. And Alexander uh, uh, Yeah, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Uh but yeah, so I'm just not going to draw cards anymore. That's Love what it. I decided. Cuz I yep. can.
2: That's a
3: <laughs> that's a great that, approach. The, so so are there are there certain beats you want to hit in each issue, or because i i I love the idea of of the characters dictating the story i i I really and we read a lot of editorially driven comics so so to know that you know well in these three issues, this actually has to happen in one of the big two books. I like knowing that well, I was going to have Lord Astro Farmer do this, but his story kind of went in a different direction and and uh, but are there are there things that you want to make sure you 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 touch on in each issue
0: um you know i have i have a pretty regimen for um, hitting certain story moments in each issue uh I, you know i think a lot about structure and about beginning middle and end uh and conflict and resolution and uh and then you know the kind of teases to get people to keep coming back uh so those those moments are pretty important. Uh, the book, and now the structure of the book is it always starts with um, a flashback. Um, so the the first, you know, before I have I have like a title page, and before the title page, there's always a flashback, uh, which will help a lot moving the story forward. Because uh, sometimes it can be tough to move the story forward when you're busy setting up stupid jokes. Uh, so that flashback mechanic of two to four pages at the beginning that uh, tell us something important or bring some dread to the story uh, that will kind of play out some foreshadowing of what might happen um, is important for me to to, to structure into each issue. Uh, I'm really trying to think about it a lot and, and plot it out a lot. And that's why I now get a little concerned that some of the humor is going out of it uh, because I spend so much time thinking about it. Uh, but hopefully it will all kind of, I mean, there's a lot of spontaneity that comes when I'm actually drawing the page and I add a lot of things and I make up sound effects. Uh, and then I don't actually write any dialogue until I've drawn the entire thing. Um, so, and that's my kind of final stage for editing and changing and, uh, finding the humor. And cause I, I am a person I, I read very poorly, but I'm a very visual person, so I have to see the pages lettered with the dialogue to know if the, the dialogue works. And so there's a lot of editing that comes um, at the uh, at the lettering phase. Interesting. Um, which is also why when you ask me what my favorite comics are, it's hard for me to say because I read a lot and I just don't remember them. Uh, but I work. Mm-hmm. I Almost everything I do is movies. I'm, I'm like a crazy movie buff, and that's there's, that's why there's so many movie references in everything that I do because reading is so hard for me, uh, and I force myself to do it because I really love comics, but really I love stories, and uh, I get so much more from movies that I put in my comics. Uh, I, I will always say that my number one influence for my comics is uh, the Coen Brothers, and it absolutely, everything I do is just me wanting to make a Coen Brothers movie, huh. you know, on the page. You know, their entire sense of storytelling and pacing and reveal, uh you know, is so fantastic and so perfect. Um That's like my, I guess, my biggest influence.
2: Interesting.
0: Yeah, that got off. Hmm. I don't even remember what the question was. Sorry. <laughs> <Sure>.
2: <laughs> that, that's a good thing when it goes in that direction. Yeah. Wow! Oh, dead air. Hate it. Yes, you do. We, we, all, we were that's, waiting that's...
4: for you to. You said, "Well," as if you were about to pontificate. No, I just. Yeah, I, I, there's
2: so much. It. There's so much to think about this episode. Damn, I just. I don't know where to, where to push it. Take it out of my hands, Jason. Uh okay.
4: Uh, <laughs> why don't we uh, spend a few minutes talking about some things that we've read and enjoyed
2: recently? Ah, that's always fun, David.
3: Oh man, um, I, well, I, I, uh, I mentioned I finished, um, well, I didn't finish. I, I, I'm, I'm twelve issues into, um, Manhattan Projects, and that, I mean, that's just,
2: oh, you're farther than I am. That,
3: that, that's just a freaking nutty book. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not lost. I think I just forgot some things because it's there are huge gaps between, um. We had issues where I, where I picked it up again. Um but I am enjoying the hell out of that. I uh I read Saga number twenty. Which yes, I think I you're, but you yeah, you're behind did you read nineteen? No. Okay then.
0: Oh, then, then we won't we won't do anything about that then. Sure, <laughs> um, that's what that's my uh, favorite part of the show, by the way. When oh, you guys try <laughs> to talk uh, about uh, books but then can't talk about books because before,
4: before we move on, uh <laughs> Ryan drew uh a number of issues of the Manhattan Projects. Yes. yes.
0: Well he I,
3: filled I, in for Nick. I, right. And I, I read Starting in, with number ten, right? Right, which is uh yeah, yeah. which is all about Oppenheimer. yeah, uh, I did I did the
0: three issues inside Oppenheimer's mind.
3: Okay i uh, sad. Was that deliberate? Or, I mean, did, did, did that just work out where Nick was like, I don't want to do that or that's a good break
0: for me. And Jonathan wrote those with you in mind or? Well, then he, uh, he wrote it because Nick needed a break. Okay. Uh, and they wanted to do something out of the main story. They wanted oh. to do a B story. Um, and so that's what Jonathan came up with. Um, which, you know, John, I,
4: just, is he full, I assume he's full script.
0: Not at all. No.
4: Oh. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's very that's
0: so, it's total Marvel style. Um, Get
4: out, really?
0: Yeah, and so Nick is Nick is very responsible as well for what happens in that book,
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, because you know it's 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 a it's, it's a truly collaborative effort. You know, uh, it's it's more outlines and then uh, you know back and forth, like showing showing my pencil sketches, my breakdowns, and I'm figuring out what's working, what's not working. Uh, you know, I, so I, you know, I think, I think there's a horse in it, uh, which I think <laughs> Jonathan put in there because of me. Um, but in, uh, you know, spoiler in the first issue, the the horse gets his head cut off. Yes. Um, and so I just said, well, can the horse, can the horse survive? Uh, and he said, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, and so then that horse becomes a character that, uh, is, a big part of the story in the next, you know, two 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 installments. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's just, I think that Jonathan, he doesn't do this on every book, but I think that he intentionally, he knows Nick is a very good storyteller and is very creative. Uh, and so it's more of a collaborative sense in the plotting uh, of each issue. And then, you know, obviously the script is obviously all all Hickman. Uh but the fun thing was is since since the dialogue isn't finished when i'm drawing the issue um it's really fun to see him play off the details that I put into it
1: um
0: which and he he he's masterful at it, and this stuff that that will be important in what he's writing about is just silly things that I threw in or Nick threw in uh so it's a really i mean I think that's part of why that book's so great is how collaborative it is. Um, and it's just it, – there's nothing stale about it because it's such a fun way of making comics. Mm. He, they basically make comics the way I make comics by myself.
4: <laughs> okay, okay, David, go ahead. <laughs> um,
0: there was – uh, I
3: did read a bunch of – well, I read uh the latest issue of Private Eye, number seven, seven came out last week. Mm -hmm. Um, marcos martin is ridiculous he really is uh and uh so there is also i mentioned to you guys in one of our offline chats that well because Vince keeps bringing it up but um i'm into the second volume of mind management and i need to i told you guys i need to uh i need to learn to pace myself because i want to read everything that's on the page so I'll, i'll read the page and then i'll look to the left and read what's in the margins, whereas I I just I'm getting lost in everything, so I need to learn to read the issue and then go back and read the the interview and the story in in the margins. Um I did read the original Sin Hulk vs Iron Man that Vince told us he read. Okay. Did you wasn't that great? No, it was was, it was, it was, (laughs) it was um it I I all right,
2: put it this way, does it not add another layer to the character it, of Tony Stark? It, it
3: does. Yeah, I mean, we, we yeah. we've established years ago that that, that Tony was a dick, uh, more so when he was younger. Uh he I mean, that he hasn't grown out of that.
2: I don't want to inter- interrupt you, but I'm going to I don't think it's so much being a dick. I I just think he is confident that he knows better than everyone around him.
4: And as a result, hey. he's a big dick.
3: Right. Yeah, but
2: he doesn't set out to be a a dick. No, he does.
3: He does. Didn't people know, do. he re he, he rubbed Bruce's face in it. And it was and that was that was yeah. completely uncalled for. And that that's a dick move.
4: I gotta be uh, real honest here. I, I I am not vibing on the idea of original sin as, as in terms of the the uh, notion that we're getting all these anecdotes of these deep dark secrets that are being revealed to us because so far everyone I've read have been Jarring by design, but to a point where it sullies the heroic nature of a lot of these characters, and I, I just have no taste for it. I don't. Uh... Ooh, I
0: wow. You sir are are a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you know that I drew one?
4: No, maybe I haven't read that one yet.
0: Well, it's not out yet.
4: Oh, that, that explains <laughs> a lot.
0: Then. You'll probably hate it.
2: You must see the future. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like, there's four, not the, lie, the, the
4: fantastic think. four one is ridiculous i didn't read that one yet. i didn't read that okay. it basically the secret is that johnny destroyed a machine uh
3: that could have cured ben that would have cured ben
2: no shit are you serious who did this
3: uh, i don't know i don't remember. <laughs> not remember so, so basically original sin is just showing us that some of the earlier marvel characters were were dicks
4: Right. And the thing is, is, is that now then Ben hates Johnny and he can't forgive him and, and the whole thing's retarded. Cause number one, number one, it's, it's, it's Johnny, it's, I Johnny's relationship is awesome and it doesn't need to be fucked with. Wow. Number two, Reed Richards can literally create machines out of thin air that let him go to different dimensions, yeah. can destroy planets, can kill celestial beings. You mean to tell me he couldn't fucking recreate a machine that Johnny accidentally broke? I mean come on it's ridiculous it's does so stupid is
0: he like is he like yeah. knocking into a soda pop and it spills on the it's, control panel
4: it's inadvertent panel and- it's inadvertent, <laughs> it's inadvertent. And, and that's exactly the silliness of it. It, it it's like again if 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 this was one of those things where they discovered some kind of rare alien technology that they couldn't replicate and it was possible that it would fix but 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 Reed can Reed can recreate anything on the fly my point is to me, so far, all of the adjunct original sin things have been dark and sullying. Otherwise, pretty cool relationships. So I just have had no taste for it personally. It clearly, uh, Vince is in a different camp, but I, mean, uh,
2: I am because that—that's what sins are. They're—they're yeah. they're, they're dark spots that no one wants uncovered. But I, I can't speak to the FF one because I—I I didn't read it. But I, I will say that to, for me, the Tony Stark one humanizes that character.
3: I, I think that. uh I think it's been well established
4: that Tony's a big dick who does things he shouldn't do, and right. at the expense of his friends and colleagues.
3: And and it's you know I mean it's it, I guess I am, you know for years every time with you know the, no matter the comic no matter you know, the cartoon it, the, Bruce Banner Rick Jones they were there at the, the the blast site and and that's pretty much been a constant for decades, and then we find out that you know. Blonsky was also in the bunker and, 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 <laughs> and then, and now we find out that Tony Stark just happened to stop by. Right, right. And, and it's like, and, and it's neat that it's because it's this universe that, you know, these characters can mingle. I mean, that's, that's, that's one cool thing. You know, I can read an old issue of, of Captain America that, that Hickman wrote and, and there's Spider-Man just swinging in the background and, and that's, that's the Marvel universe. But we're, we're going back and, and, and we're kind of making, sh- and, and this one issue in particular where the science bros are just, you know, happen to be young and before they became the heroes there. And it, and it's, it leads to the, the big reveal during the issue that when, when, you know, the, the bomb went off in the miniseries that now, now their memories are mingled and, and, uh, and it's, it's Bruce waking up finding out that, you know, he's got the shrapnel in his chest and it's, it's, it's Tony being blown apart by the, uh, by the, the gamma bomb. And some of it is neat. I think I would probably enjoy it more if it didn't have the, um, the, the huge event umbrella over it. And it was just a, a, you know, here's a, here's a neat little annual type story or, or what if Tony Stark was at the blast site. You know, things like that, but the fact that it's kind of tied into this, it, it's not making it as, as, as groovy for me.
2: Yeah, but the only reason why it works is because it's based on the conceit of the original sin. That's the, that's the only reason why it works in the first place. You see, you take that away and it's just a, a silly what if story. You know what I mean? The, the reason why all these secrets are being uncovered is because the watcher knew them, didn't say anything, and now, they've been released.
3: so so you're telling me so that in 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 all the years that that bruce and tony have known each other and 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 they've been on the same team that they never once referenced tony hanging out with ross and bruce in the days leading up to 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 the gamma bomb
2: well no i mean it it yeah it's all make it up as you go along fiction right but The, the possibilities are endless now because of the fact that these were hidden before, right? Right. So maybe we didn't know about them, maybe they didn't, maybe something happened along the line where they didn't know about them anymore, or they tried to purge it from their memory. I don't know. It's just, like, what else can you do with these characters? This is a fun little event.
3: Right, and as the miniseries gets to its conclusion, and, and other people, not named Mike Nidato, finish up the series, it will be, uh <laughs> it, You guys are so rough. I uh, <laughs> Dude, it's not. It's not that bad. Were, we, oh, it's, it's this, not week, this week, this week is not that it's bad. Not that this bad. week is not that bad. We were we we were chilling, not going down to the Western Bar. And I'm like, I'm like, so did 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 you read original sitting number before? And he's like, Nah. I'm like, All right, all right. I won't say nothing and then. And then it's it was just I I don't know who the, I I just I felt bad for the other people not credited in the issue. That's right. <laughs> Um it was uh and I said uh, you know. thought I was just taking one for of the team that's right, that's right, and uh let's see i um I read Trees number two, which was a little mm. different than the first mm. issue, whereas we were kind of just in one location this time um, for for the bulk of the issue i mean we, we we did get some scenes elsewhere, but for the most part we were um in snow talking about spores love uh, what
4: jason howard's doing with his art style though
3: oh absolutely so
4: different than what have you seen of him before i love it uh so what's the
2: matter nothing yeah. you don't agree oh no of course i do oh,
4: you, <laughs> i I'm just i have a
3: tendency like no, no 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 i, I have run. a tendency
2: to breathe occasionally you
3: do. i you do I, I you do breathe, breathe. <laughs> chill with that uh let's see i uh read amazing Spider-Man number three wow
2: you had a Act I, I
3: kind of did. I kind of did. There are a couple of other things, and and that um that I, I need to get to. I am up to date on Uncanny Avengers. I can't believe that, that that this arc is is concluding with the next issue. I am not up to date on that. I am up to date on Avengers and New Avengers, though. I'm not up to date on New Event. Actually, no. I'm an issue behind on both. New <laughs> Avengers is, is is fantastic. Hickman's writing the best Justice League in comics right. It now. is. it's it's uh I I agree with um with Julian where it's it's Hickman's uh it's The Avengers versus uh the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, look at that. Um it's it, it it it's amazing stuff and like I I said when the issue came out that uh I thought it was a real neat touch to have Rags Morales pencil the uh the the Justice League issue of uh of New Avengers. Um and that is kind of where I'm at at the moment. Uh huh? Punisher number 7 which was not drawn by Mitch um but it takes place uh hours days after the events from the 6th issue where um where the Howling Commandos uh did something to Frank and, and we pick it up from there south of the border. So I do have a few things to read once Maybe not tonight when we wrap this up, but I have some Ghost Rider and, and some Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. So I have some things I, I I need to read that I'm dying to read. But other than that, it's been mostly a um uh, uh, an image and, and mind management type of uh, type of week. I have Nightbreed number one and two to read. I, I, I uh,
2: uh, that movie. book is so good. Yeah, yeah. I, di- I didn't get a, a whole lot of chance to read anything, um, but I did get... Caught up on Crossed. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Uh, I have to say, Garth Ennis, the creator of Crossed, uh, with this patient zero, it's it's so against the grain. Uh, there's there's almost no um, violence in it, uh, in, in, in to the level of what you usually expect from a Cross comic. It, it's basically the early days of the plague, and and the the British Prime Minister. Uh, Gordon Brown has been sequestered in a bunker and they're just watching as, as all this stuff is playing out and cities are falling, the shit's hitting the fan, the, no one knows what to do because it's something we've never seen before. And, and um somehow the, the, the crossed have commandeered a squadron of Russian bombers and are making a beeline to the east coast of the United States and there just so happens to be atomic weapons on these bombers, and the states, no one wants to shoot them down because they don't want to create an inc- international incident, so the, there's a black ops mission to, to get these bombers out of the sky. It's it's awesome. Uh, you know, Garth Ennis has a real flair for the, the the military skullduggery and, and the cloak and dagger stuff. It's amazing. It It does return true to form towards the end there's a guy that gets uh he inserts uh scalpel blades into his his penis and ass rapes a guy <laughs> it, it's amazing oh, yeah. uh, but he he, he enter, in, in, inserts six scalpel blades into his dick and he any he butt rapes a dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part it, it it's it's the most tasteful huh. crust story to date yes. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. But other than that, I, you know, like, I, I read Saga 20, which I can't talk about because somebody didn't, hasn't done their homework.
4: God forbid you read more than two comics a week, so we might have some other things to talk but about I don't
2: have time. time. I'm busy with making art. Mm. That's awesome.
4: It is
0: awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Ryan, what, have you read anything of,
0: uh, uh, I'm reading all stuff I picked up at Heroes, uh, from last Such week. As? Well, I, I read, uh, obviously Headlobber 2. Andrew you think? I thought it was really great, uh, really, really fun, uh, really like a really self-serving comic. You know, he's drawing everything he wants to draw. He's telling the story exactly he wants to tell the way he wants to tell it, uh, which I just love. You know, he's doing everything. He's not coloring it, but he's doing everything else basically right. himself. Uh, and it reads as is just joy and fun. I mean, he's mm-hmm. having tons of fun. Um. Yeah, it's it's really admirable. It's really, really a lot of fun. Uh and I would just wish uh it would somehow magically come out more frequently. I'm with um, you, I was
4: thinking the same thing, that it's probably gonna be a while until we get the third volume. So
0: it, it will be, because I know some of the stuff he's working on and so it will probably be a while, unfortunately. Um keeps it perfectly into the Mignola verse, whatever that's worth. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's a little more cartoony than that, but uh, he definitely wears wears that um, influence on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently got a book called Wolf Hands from someone. Oh, nice. Have, have yeah. you seen Wolf Hands? I, I have. Yeah. It's amazing. It's <laughs> it's a guy that has hands that uh, are basically werewolf hands, and so uh, instead of turning into an entire werewolf, his hands just turn into wolf claws. Uh, and it's very silly. Uh, there's only one issue. Uh, it's drawn by a guy named Dick, Nick Johnson. I don't know the name of the writer. Um, but he's just basically giving out shows. So I read Wolf Hands, which was awesome. Uh, I bought the Street Angel collection from Jim Rugg. Yes. I have it sitting right thing. next to me. Which I am slowly reading. Uh, trying to take my time with it. Uh, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those books that you just, I read very slowly because I'm trying to think about the art and the, the decisions and storytelling. And you know, Jim's Jim's pretty much a master. Um, the Jim actually uh, did the cover to God Hates Astronauts issue two. That um, uh, is really exciting. Yeah. Really. Um,
1: yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. That's super
0: <laughs> cool. Um, and I uh, let's see anything else. Oh, Southern Bastards. I haven't read issue three. In the Same story here. Yet. Yet. But, man, that, that football scene in Issue 2, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how Latour planned that out and had it make sense. Uh, but uh, you can tell that he used to play football. <laughs> you know, It's very authentic. It's very fun. Um, yeah, those are the main things. And then Devil Dinosaur, which I just finished. That's what I've been reading. Nicely done. It,
2: it pleases me to no end to be able to put Devil Dinosaur in our show. Oh, I know friends.
4: that. We've had a bunch of Kirby <laughs> references tonight. You're all set. Uh so the thing that I read this week that I enjoyed thoroughly, uh, aside from Headlopper, uh well and also I reread the first three volumes of Azarello and Chang's Wonder Woman mm-hmm. series, uh mainly in anticipation of the fact that I think there's one more volume to come and then uh I, I will not be Shockingly will not be continuing on with Wonder Woman with the Finches taking over. Really? That's not a, that does not appeal to me as shocking as that may be. Um, but no, the thing that I read this week that deserves much praise and love, peace and love, uh, by Dark Horse is the latest hardcover volume of Mignola, Golden and Stenbeck's Baltimore. Um, so this one is Baltimore Chapel of Bones. Uh, and uh, this continues the uh, story of Lord Baltimore, who is uh, effectively the Van Helsing of this world. He's the world's greatest monster hunter. His family was killed by a vampire uh, years before named Haggis, and he has been traveling around Europe looking for Haggis, wherever he could find him to get his revenge. Uh, in this volume... Uh, and I'm not spoiling anything because it's in the solicit or the back cover if you're reading it. He finally confronts Haggis and has it out with him um and I will just leave it by saying, uh, in spite of finally battling Lord Haggis, his journey is not over because there was more to it than he thought um but what's fascinating to me about this book uh and I've probably said this each time that I've read one of the volumes is that um aesthetically. Uh, both in look and pace and feel setting, tone it. there's no reason it couldn't be part of the Hellboy universe um, in the same way that Lobster Johnson is or BPRD or Abe Sapien um, but for whatever reason uh, this is a wholly separate world um, so it, it doesn't I think a lot of people are often confused of this, I mentioned this on another podcast that I was on which we'll talk about in your travels and and a lot of the guys on that show thought that this was just another part of the Mignola uh the Hellboy universe. But it's not. It's completely separate. Um and, and I'm assuming there's a reason for that. I, I don't know what it is, but but in this world, vampires run rampant and uh uh Lord Baltimore's again, he's like Van Helsing, he's got a little bit of a blade kind of thing going on with him too. Um and I just love it to death. And Ben Stembeck's art uh, fits so well with the story, it's very moody. Uh it's it's the same dark color palette that that anyone that's read any hellboy stuff is familiar with it's it's again dave stewart doing that same color palette so it, it it's just it's very it's the fact that it's not part of the uh hellboy universe fascinates me because i don't know if any of you have read any of it yet but it certainly by all indications could and should be part of it in, in the way that it looks and reads and and, and the like but uh, but in either and in i in any event as someone who has been rooting for lord baltimore to get his revenge it was very satisfying to see him go up against Haggis finally, uh, but then a little heartbreaking to see, uh, what he finds out, uh, after that battle and what likely will lead to the next volume, uh, that I'll likely be reading in about six months when it comes out. So it's pretty awesome stuff. Have any of you guys read any of the Baltimore?
3: Nope. I read the first issue years ago. No, didn't long. grab you. It, um, probably because it wasn't. Part of of the Hellboy universe, and mm-hmm. and I'm still I, I I still have BPRD to, right, to right. so I was, I'm just I I didn't want to start something else, and I, I it was a single issue. It was it it may have been um, I think it was the Free Comic Book Day, but it was oh, okay. it, So it was I mean it was that long ago, and and uh, so it's not like the next issue was was available right away. So I it just it, it's something I I want to read. It's just not on the list at the moment.
4: Mm there's an illustration vince uh in this book of the red king um, where he, he is giant uh, spanning into the clouds and he's standing over uh this town i think it's in germany uh, it's it's an eastern european uh, town and he's turned the entire uh, sea red and it's 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 just an astounding uh classic illustration of the concept of of the red king and and demonic possession. It's 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 just beautiful, beautiful stuff. I don't know what else Stenbeck has done. I'm only familiar with him through his work on Baltimore. But uh but the dude has got crazy good chops. I mean he's right up there with Mignola himself and Trogredo and all those guys that are carving out such a name for themselves in in uh, the B P R D world. So mm-hmm.
2: I, I, I read the The Plague Ships was great.
4: Yeah, yeah well, that was the first volume. Yeah. Right, yeah and this is yeah. uh this is just a continuation of that like I said and uh and it, it opens up it closes the first chapter, the first, his first driving force, it, that comes to a close. But in, in, as a result of that, it opens up a, a essentially a, a much longer, perhaps more fruitless quest for him. So, it's really good stuff. There you go. I've left you all speechless. <laughs> we did. We should talk about porn comics or something. Break up. What? Break of the Monotony.
0: <laughs> Didn't we do that with Crossed? Uh, yeah, well, that's, I think that's you're right. That's, that's not
2: really porn. Mm, that's torture porn, true. Yeah, the instant gratification. There's there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I love my my uh, experimental and your cerebral comics, but the, there's something to be said about mm. you know that 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 instant. Slammed to the to the back of the head of somebody raping somebody else with a dick full of scalpels. Mm.
4: Well, Ryan, tell us what is the shocking <laughs> secret about Black Bolt that you unveil to us in Original Sins number three hitting shelves next Wednesday.
0: Is it next Wednesday?
4: Wednesday, July ninth, my friend.
0: The the shocking secret is that I get to draw a lockjaw, which is super fun. That's cool. That's about that's that's all I will tell you. Written by Charles Soule. Yep. Yeah.
4: Who I've come to find out, perhaps from you, that he runs his own law firm. Yeah, it's he's a lawyer, being a full-time writer of comics. Uh-huh. That's, yeah, that's impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Charles is. Uh, we've been friends for many years, and it's fun. so the first time we ever gotten to work together. Um, so that made a, a lot. How of did fun this for come me. about?
4: How did you end up getting? Because it's a, an eclectic mix of people. It's you. It's it looks like there's three stories in the issue. It's. You and Charles, then it's Ryan North and Ramon Villa Lobos, and then Slot and Bagley. So, so that's, that's an eclectic mix
0: of creators. Yeah, it's pretty strange. Uh, I think that how it happened was Charles said, you should hire Ryan Brown. He's my friend. Uh, okay. And, nice. uh, and then I think Nick Lowe said, I don't know who he is. Uh, and then Charles <laughs> said, we'll just hire him. Cause I was, I was asking Charles, uh, you know, what they expected from me art-wise, cause I, you know, do a lot of different styles. And I asked him what artwork he showed them to get me the job. Uh, and then he said he didn't show them any artwork. So, uh, <laughs> so that was a little intimidating. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the process was great. It was super fun. It was, it's my first Marvel work. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's really, uh, it's something. That's for sure. There is a giant dog in it. That's, That's all it. you need to know. That yeah. should be it.
4: Do you draw <laughs>
0: all of the Inhuman Royal Family in the issue or? No, it's just, I just Lockjaw and, uh, and black bolt. All right. Cause you yeah. know, there's still a few spots open on my Inhuman's jam piece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Oh, there's always a motive.
2: Pimping every day. Right. Every day. Every day I'm hustling. Yeah. Aaron D. Exactly. that's exactly what I was thinking of
4: you know it uh, man. you can't stop the hustle people
2: you and, and you don't you don't necessarily have to hustle to get cheap prices on comics <laughs> 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 all you gotta do is just go to dcbservice.com where you can get your comics damn cheap get them fast, get them delivered right to your home it's effortless and you will not find your uh, your comics cheaper anywhere uh, in your travels, is this the, should we do the in your travels and then yeah. we'll see where it goes from there. In, in your travels, people, I want you to, uh, get thee to a comic shop or a b- uh, bookseller and pick up 12 gems by Lane Milburn. Mm. It, it was published by Fanagraphics. Mm. Um, just got it in my last box. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but visually it is a combination of heavy metal both the style of music and the magazine. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, it's one of those anything-goes, kind of all-over-the-map comics. It's a sci-fi book. There are pigs with guns, three-eyed wolves, giant demons. Um, basically, it's, a, it's a, a, a space opera about the search for 12 gems, and the characters actually searching for these gems don't necessarily know what they do. They, they just, they're, they're, they're on the hunt and I guess they're trying to escape from some, uh, escape from their past. There is giant skulls and spaceships in space. Um, there's a, a fantasy element to it. Cyclopean monsters. It's just nuts. You do not know what you're going to get from page to page with this thing. It kind of reminds me of, um, do you remember Sleaze Castle? Anybody? S- does that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell. No lies so castle was a it 's a British book by Dave McKim McKinnon and Terry Wiley, where it was just all over the map i mean it 's just uh, a space opera where anything goes and that 's kind of what i 'm getting the, uh, the the feel from this twelve gems it 's amazing it 's black and white it 's got a real underground feel to it there's there 's stipple and cross hatching and and just um rugged raw. Dra- draftsmanship, it's amazingly, uh, the visuals are amazing, and I can't wait to digest it, but, uh, it, it's got a, it also has a 60s vibe to it too, or 60s, 70s, like underground, um uh, Big Daddy Roth type of psychobilly monster hot rod edge to it. I, don't take, just go look at it yourself and and just and see what what you get. It's just amazing, and it's from Fanographics, which is you know not surprising. Do it, do it I'm on it like talking fish. Yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty thick. It's like two hundred and fifty pages, but it's only twenty bucks, soft cover. Hmm. Yeah,
4: pretty thick. I think that's what she said soft.
1: The hell
3: was that? Because uh, he's talking about pretty thick, so I was going with soft, <laughs> and then I just uh... ah, I did not. So. <laughs> uh, in your travels, um, oh, we didn't get to talk about Superman thirty-two. In your travels, read. Hmm. travels, though. No, no, no. Um, I'm gonna say, go ahead, and since we mentioned Mr. Mattkin earlier, there's something that he wrote, uh, which i shouldn't be too surprised i'm i'm glad to see it um he is the reason why i decided to um check it out it's a um a little mini series um with a franchise some of us may have heard of before star wars rebel heist yes (laughs) uh Mr. Kent had written it and pencils are by Marco Castillo and inks are by Dan Parsons. Um, it is basically uh there is a a rookie or someone new joining the rebellion and uh he is being um, I don't want to say he, he's basically shadowing uh Captain Han Solo um and i I started the miniseries and uh i am just enjoying it a whole lot. The art is great um i i'm a fan of the original trilogy i i like the uh it's those are the characters that that i prefer and 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 seeing han in pretty much center stage at least as far as the first issue goes um Brings me back to, uh, A New Hope and most of Empire Strikes Back. So I'm going to say, if, if you are a Star Wars fan, if you are a episodes four, five, and six fan, then, and if, if you're a Mac Hinn fan, check out, uh, Star Wars Rebel Heist.
2: What, what do you think of that story recently of Kevin Smith leaving the Star Wars set crying? Did you see that? <laughs> Did not. No. Yeah, I guess he, he was afforded a glimpse into the, the, the filming of the new movie. And he actually took a selfie of, of a tear coming out of his eye and a little bit of, oh, really, a little bit of oh snot dripping. So,
3: like the Blair Witch left, Project?
2: He left, he left, left the set crying. Aww. He was so proud to, to be able to tell the internet world that, that this movie... Oh,
0: it's always about him. Oh, I know. He said, well, he it's just said so about about him. Our, our You know
2: what he said? He said, "The force is with this movie."
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> mm.
2: I don't know, man. Well, I I'm I, optimistic, but
4: I, for one, am thr- thrilled with the prospect of these movies coming out. But absolutely, same here. That doesn't that that particular anecdote doesn't make me <laughs> anymore.
2: It leave the theater crying. Mm. I, I, I love you, man.
4: Was brought to tears when he saw Transformers Four. I'm guessing, Don't be I'm shit guessing on not. my Transformers movie. Did you see <laughs> it? I did
2: not see <gasps> Oh, my god! But I will. I will be there.
4: As okay. I said on Twitter, it is a visual sight to behold, but I can't in good conscience call it a movie.
2: Whatever. I'm there. As soon as I can. No,
4: I, dude, I already saw it. I said I, it was It was an enjoyable enough experience, but it, it was... F- f- it was in spite of there being zero plot, but uh, but you know Marky Mark does his thing, and his "quote unquote" daughter in the movie is blazing hot. So
2: yeah, she, she is. is. But is it really a surprise? That's a movie plot. Coming? Come on.
4: No, no, Shit. no, it's Weird. not. I I mean, uh, I'll wait till you see it. I I, I thought it was plot wise la- lacking even juxtaposed against two and three, which weren't exactly uh, Citizen right. Kane level plots. But you know, um, just just.
2: Grunt, uh, if I'm right. Okay. Is it Unicron? No. Oh,
4: okay. Um, but in your travels, uh, a couple things. One, uh, we meant to do it at the beginning of the show, but we, we, we jumped right in and, and just started going at it. So it didn't seem uh, apropos to, to kill the mood at the moment. But, uh, our good friend and long time supporter and one of our earliest, uh, ardent fans of the show, Mr. Matt Burden, uh, lost one of his best friends to cancer at the way too early age of 32, uh, Mr. Ross Peacock. And Ross was a listener of the show. And, uh, Matt let us know that and, uh, just wanted to send condolences to Ross's family and to his friends. Uh, Ross was a, a diehard geek, which, uh, Matt told us in addition to listening to our show and loving comics is a big fan of risk. Uh, and knew just about everything on the Earth there was to know about uh, Star Wars and the extended universe, which made me think of it when you mentioned uh, the, the Kevin Smith thing. So, so you know, again, uh, Matt, hope you and, and his, uh, and Ross's family, uh, you know, get through this in whatever way you can. Um, then in a the suddenly much more upbeat note, uh, two, in your travels, I want you to go listen to some things. Uh, after you're done listening to this episode, uh, David and I had the, Unbelievably good pleasure, which we we mentioned last week, um, but it's out now into the ether. Uh, we, along with Swain Hunt and and our collective good buddy Braxton Harrison, sat in our room at the Westin at Heroes Con and recorded for about an hour before the art auction. And Swain and the sidebar guys have released that episode as uh, episode 274, uh, where they encapsulate our chat uh it was great great fun and um you can even hear uh, us reaching awkwardly for our bottles of beer and opening them several times so it's uh, it's very much cinema verite of podcasting um and then a few days later i had the great fun and pleasure of appearing uh for the second time on uh, our good buddies uh, no apologies um it's i believe it will be released later this week but it will be episode 178 of their show where, uh, we also recapped Hero's Con and then jumped to an, into a bunch of comic talk, including, uh, a very spirited discussion of Superman number 32, um, where I was the dissenting voice <laughs> on that, on that subject. Good act.
2: Good on you, uh, buddy. Good on but you. But thanks
4: again to those guys. It was a blast. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the show is, uh, is Daryl Taylor and Chris Kazicki and our good friend Chris Campbell and Raphael Sands and Gil Colon. Um, and Juan Castro. Uh, Tom King's also on the show, but he's taking a hiatus because he's uh, got his first big DC writing project doing Grayson with Tim Seeley right now, but uh, he is also a regular on that show. So wanted to thank all those guys for having us on their collective shows this week, so uh, give those a whirl. And then if you still have some time, I guess if you really are desperate for something, you can be sure to go to your comic shop and check out a certain image comic called god hates astronauts which may or may not be hilarious that's up for you to decide
2: yeah but before you get to your comic shop why don't you pre-order it tell them you want it that would be ideal yeah Yeah, that's
4: what i need ryan's gotta pay that rent that mortgage
2: (laughs) That's right. with a company like image pre-orders are incredibly important so you got to get to your comic shop say hey you know what i want this book reserve a copy for me And they will do so if they're, if they're good. It
3: it absolutely continues the, uh, the trend of, of first issues from image kicking ass.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So September 3rd, I guess, is when it comes out. Um, and yeah, like, like these guys said, it's all, it's all the pre-orders. Uh, you know, with image books, I, you know, I don't make any money doing it. Uh, until after it's after two months after the issue comes out is when I get my first paycheck so um, And that just depends on how many you guys uh, actually pre-order how many how many sell um, so it's really months and months of work uh, I've certainly uh, You know you have to kind of go all in on the property uh, with an image book uh, And you just never know what you're gonna get so yeah those pre-orders are super important and hopefully if you pre-order one, your store will then start paying attention to it and maybe think, well, maybe we'll get two or three or four or five for the rack. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's kind of, it all works together. I need your help. Does that sound desperate? Help me, Obi-Wan. No. I mean, read it if you want to. I mean, whatever. But just order it. You <laughs> yeah, don't have to read it, it. Just order it. Yeah, just don't even go pick it up. Just screw <laughs> the store over. <laughs>
3: just, <Yeah>. Wait, <laughs>
0: that's not good. No, don't do that. No. They can sell it twice. Yeah, there you
2: go. Take the money that you were eventually going to maybe spend on a Robert Kirkman book and and give it to Ryan because it, it'll be money much better spent.
4: Oh, Although the first issue of Outcast was great, it. by the way. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
4: no, it really was. Ooh. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you know who? And besmirch something you haven't actually read.
3: It's true. I'm not.
4: Do you it was a double sized issue, and Paul as I said, uh, "For those that already weren't aware of how how much of a beast this this guy is." Uh, oh.
3: This was a coming out
4: party, man. His his,
3: whew, uh, I need to, it's I I need to check it out because I I want to know how he um how his style differed from the old um from the Amazing Spider-Man issues he, he drew a few years ago. Hmm.
4: Yeah, I'd say it's pretty different from that. Although less diff more in the vein of what we saw from him recently in the BPRD stuff.
2: Okay. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, crazy. crazy good, Jersey boy too. What all? Oh, oh.
2: So got to look at that issue it's in It's available for you too yeah i don't got i don't got to read it but i got to look at it mm.
4: it's good it's it's i think almost 50 pages it uh it's it's great cool. it's a great first issue no no, no front it's uh putting put, mm. putting aside our conversations last week about Kirkman being a little stale in his two main books uh he certainly was inspired with this one at least for the first issue
2: good, good on him mm-hmm. Hey everybody, let's thank Ryan for being here with us because he inspired some great, great discussion this week.
0: Yes, who would have thunk it? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I think about things. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> well thanks for having and, me guys, it's been really fun. It's anytime. Fun.
2: Yeah, anytime you like. And get your asses out there and, and pre-order God Hates Astronauts mm-hmm. number one. And where will we see you, you know, on the con circuit this year, Ryan?
0: Uh I'm doing Wizard World Chicago and then Tony Moore's CincyCon uh in Cincinnati and then New York Comic Con uh, yes. later this year.
2: All right, we
4: awesome. will see
0: you at New York. Yes. Sounds good. Nice. Yeah.
2: Thank you everybody for being here. Uh as usual, you can find us in the same spot you found this. Next week, mm-hmm. it will be waiting for you with some some beverages and maybe finger food, I don't know, depending on how much time oh, we have.
4: And, so and next week we will talk about Saga 20 and we'll talk about our favorite comics of each decade. How about that?
2: <laughs> yes. Nice. Why do we do this? Because we love you so much. Am I right? Vince,
4: Vince does started love you. from the bottom. Now we are here.
2: Yes. Bye. Say goodnight, David. Good night, David. Good night, Ryan. Night, Ryan. Good night, guys. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> oh, I knew it. Yeah? I knew it was coming. <laughs> Good night, grandpa. Grandpa, where's your hand? Stop it. Good night, Hennifer. Oh, <laughs> love it. <laughs>
0: uh, Good night, guy who is raped with a dick full of scalpel, but
2: <laughs> I think his night ended a long <laughs> time ago.
0: For
4: the, uh, for the God Hates Astronauts chew crossover where Pollo puts the moves on Hennifer.
0: Oh, it's gonna happen. It'll be romantic. Oh, great.
2: I'm glad I left that in. Sweet poultry love. Force with your mind finger it's been awesome. Uh. Take me from the awesome.